shotglassdigital.com. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash RFR for your free audiobook download. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, bakers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, star crunch, cosmic cupcakes, cosmic brownies, nutty bars, and much more. It's all about celebrating your love of a galaxy far, far away. And Little Debbie is the fan's choice for all those sweet moments. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio, Rancho Obi-Wan, and fans around the galaxy. DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. It is so hard to believe that it was just one year ago, one year ago, that we were anxiously anticipating our first look at Star Wars The Force Awakens and that Black Friday trailer. My, my, how far we've come. We're up to, I think, just six or seven TV spots alone, plus the three trailers and uh, the international trailer and all that. But still... Despite the outcry on social of, you're showing me too much, I've seen the whole movie. You've only seen about, I think, what, we're up to like five or six minutes. So uh, you're going to still have a lot of surprises come three weeks. That's right, three weeks from now, Force Awakens to premiere. And we're so excited and we're glad to be with you here for the Rebel Force Radio Black Friday Thanksgiving Listener Feedback Special. Yes, the longest title of a <laughs> I think of an episode of Rebel Force Radio. But I'm thankful to be here. I'm especially thankful that I'm here with my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars. Hope, hey, Star Wars fans. I'm being a little broad in my direction of my... Uh, Calling my, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Attention, Star Wars. <laughs> Calling all Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars fans. Yes, we are counting down the days. Three weeks away. Hard to believe. Really, less than three weeks if you consider we'll be able to see the film on opening night, which is the 17th of December. And we'll be at Hollywood Boulevard Cinemas, of course, in Woodridge, Illinois. And we hope you join us. But, um, yeah, here we were one year ago today getting our first glimpse at Finn, BB-8, Kylo Ren, and keep in mind, we didn't even know their names at that time. That's yeah, that's right. As a matter of fact, um, the first time we heard about it was those uh, that story in Entertainment Weekly where they ran the trading cards. Right. Photos of the old school tops trading cards with the character names. And, uh, you know, Jim, speaking of their names, this is something that occurred to me because you know, there's all this talk about, well, what are their last names? What are their last names? And Star Wars characters generally have uh, first, they, they generally have two word names very few to have just one um and is it going to be hard to make that adjustment we've been calling them just finn ray uh for so long that i mean is it going to be hard to call them you know finn skywalker or if, <laughs> i don't think that's the way it's going to be but you know um 
Or is it? Just, I guess it's more like just Han, Leia, Chewie, Luke. You know that that whole first name thing. We're going to be on a first name basis with them for a long time. I'm sure this is true. You know, Natalie Portman's character in uh, the prequels. I primarily called her Queen Amidala, leading all the way up to the film. And then after the film, I I think I gradually started referring to her more and more as Padme, just like the the characters on the screen were. So I think that's what it kind of comes down to is uh, I think we'll grow more familiar with these new names as the characters on screen start using them more often. You know, we have to hear them to get used to them. So I, I think it'll all become second nature after we see the film 500 times. But uh, I, uh, you know, bringing up the last names, it's interesting because uh, as we reported last week, George Lucas has been wondering where Darth Vader's grandchildren are specifically the uh, sons and or daughters of Leia and Luke. That's why I think we're not hearing the last names of these characters right now is, and everyone's been thinking this is to maintain the mystery of their identity, who their parents actually are, because that gets revealed. I believe as the film unrolls itself, you know, from the beginning, we know them just as Finn and Ray. We see that sequence in uh, one of the trailers where they introduce themselves to each other. But um, there is a lot of mystery concerning their last names, who their parents are, where they're coming from. And uh, I don't know, Ray Skywalker. Yeah. I kind of has a ring to it. It it, it sure does. It sure does. I mean, Finn is probably the larger mystery uh, for, you know, obvious reasons for sure. You know, um, let's, be clear, we, we, you know, we, we, uh, really outside of um, of Lando uh, and some background characters, uh, you know, we haven't we didn't see a lot of, you know, African actors in the uh, in the original trilogy. Or, um, so but this could be could be Windu. Could it be Finn Windu? Crazy Mace landed at the bottom and that could or be I- his grandson. Or how about, well, yeah, but that's no grandchild of, of Darth Vader. Well, that's true. That would be. So maybe Finn's last name is Organa. Oh, maybe. Chew on that. Wow. All right. Lots of speculation. You know, I don't know what the, the bigger holiday is anymore, whether it's Thanksgiving or it's Black Friday. This year's Black Friday did show a 3% increase in retail sales and a death toll of three. <laughs> I want to reiterate that. Three People in America died as a result of wanting to get a jump on their holiday shopping. I bought an actual size model, actual size of the Millennium Falcon made out of Legos and white chocolate from Hemmaker Schlemmaker. It can actually do the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. <laughs> but I mean, you know, clearly uh, Thanksgiving is a big time, but it's also when you're going to go out and do the, the crazy shopping. Though, you know, I, I got to applaud Walmart. I don't know if you heard about this, Jim, but they are trying to bring that death toll down this year. And it, all their deals are online. So they want people to stay at home and, uh, you know, I guess murder each other <laughs> over the uh, use of the of the computer. Um so they're not doing anything in the in the brick and mortar. I mean, I'm sure there are sales, but the big the big uh, doorbusters, as they call them, it's it's all mm-hmm. being done online. And Amazon has already been doing their uh, Black Friday. You know, I think it's been Black Friday really since Halloween. Oh, for sure. At least the auto dealers think so because the uh, 
the, the car manufacturers have been uh, advertising Black Friday and all their Christmas sales since, gosh, before Halloween. And it which just makes me ask the question, who's giving or getting cars for Christmas? <laughs> Think Don't about it. do you always wonder that? Think like, about like it. Seinfeld had a great bit about the giant bow. Yeah. Uh, the giant bow that goes on the car. He's like, there's only one of these things. Who's getting the car with the bow? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody yet. Yet the the auto the auto manufacturers feel like they have to shove their their Christmas sales and Black Friday sales down our throats. No one's getting cars for Christmas. I'm gonna I want to put it out right now. I I because uh, I'm so glad you brought this up. This is totally not Star Wars related, but every time one of those commercials comes on where it's the husband and um, the, the the wife opens up the little box, she thinks it's jewelry, but it's a key. It's the keys to her new Mercedes or Lexus. Uh-huh. I got. Ha- Anyone in our list, we have an enormous listening audience. Anyone in our listening audience has that ever happened to you or anyone you know? Yeah. Did you ever give or get a car for Christmas? <laughs> and I don't mean when you turned 16 and, the, and mom and dad gave you their old car. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> Nobody's giving or getting cars for Christmas. No, definitely, definitely not. Let me take that back, huh? Let me find what you need. <laughs> when Public credits? The public credits are no good out here. I need something more real. Deal. Well, I tell you what, we got uh, we got a deal for you. How about free? How about free little Debbie snack cakes? Yeah, that's right. Every week here on Rebel Force Radio, we're giving away galactic snack packs. This is the only place in the galaxy you can get a galactic snack pack from Little Debbie. And we do it because we want to give back to you guys, Star Wars fans worldwide, the Rebel Force Radio listening audience. You're there to support us, so we just want to say thanks. And we're always combing the social media networks, looking for your shout-outs to Little Debbie and Rebel Force Radio. And this week, Sarah says, is it wrong that all I want to score for Black Friday is a hashtag galactic snack pack from Rebel Force Radio and Little Debbie for my BF? And it says, hashtag priorities. (laughs) Yes, you are going to get that galactic snack pack, Sarah. It's coming your way maybe a few days after Black Friday, but you can expect to get it between now and Christmas for sure. And if that's wrong, Sarah, you don't want to be right. Yeah. That's right. So you and your BF will enjoy plenty of Little Debbie snacks like uh, Cosmic Cupcakes, Nutty Bars, Cloud Cakes. All your favorites will be in that galactic snack pack from Little Debbie and Rebel Force Radio. We love giving away Little Debbie here on Rebel Force Radio because they are, of course, the official snack of RFR. All right. As promised... We're turning the show over to you. That's right, the inmates running the asylum right here on Rebel Force Radio. You must contact me. Play back the entire message. What message? Message, Doctor. The message. The Emperor commands you to make contact with him. It's a trick. Send no reply. Rob D. from Cincinnati. Just wanted to call and uh, express my thanks during this Thanksgiving season and uh, mostly for all the work you guys do behind the mic and out in front with the fans and your support 
of everything that the community is uh, sort of soaking up right now. And I feel like uh, we couldn't be sitting better in a season that's going to be punctuated by a release of a film that we all never really thought was ever going to come. And I'm so excited, to say the least. And uh, a lot of the uh, credit goes to you guys for keeping us informed without really spoiling us too much, and I really appreciate that. I think that's been a real hard line to walk, and I really am glad that you guys have been sensitive to that, and I just wanted to let you know that uh, those of us out there who appreciate that, I feel the same way. And finally, we we all really have a lot to be thankful for. I can't imagine any time in our history as collective fans has there ever been more to look forward to. And we were just seeing the top of the... Uh, the charts right now, but uh, it's going to play out. The song list is going to continue to play throughout the, the next probably 10 plus years, I would imagine. And let's just keep it coming. I uh, hope you guys are going to be there shouldering the burden of uh, keeping us informed. And uh, we really appreciate all the work you guys do. Thanks so much. And uh, have a great holiday. Talk to you soon. All right. Checking in from Cincinnati, um, showing appreciation for our, our, um, a sensitivity, I believe. A, a sensitivity, yeah. I guess, you know, for our, well, obviously we appreciate the sentiment so much, but uh, on the, the subject of, of spoilers, you know, um, we, we try to be careful here and it is a, a, a slippery slope. There's no question about it. But I think about the, the culture today and compare it to 10 years ago prior to the release of Revenge of the Sith. I think people were far more spoiler hungry during the prequel era than they are now 10 years later. And I think that primarily comes from the fact that we sort of knew where the prequels were leading us to. We kind of walked in there with an education about where this plot is eventually going to lead. And that both helped and hurt the prequel experience for many people, I think, because so many people went in there with preconceived notions of where the plot should go because we had so much information about it going in. We knew how it was going to end. We knew at least where the characters were going to end up. And so I think it made people more spoiler hungry during the prequel era. Now in the sequel era, as we're going into these films with complete mystery, we don't really have much of an understanding of where this could possibly lead us. So I think people are so much more sensitive to spoilers and also on top of the fact that the social media has taken off between the the period of the Revenge of the Sith and, and now. So it's hard to control what gets put out there and stifle information if it does leak compared to the old days. So uh, people are way more sensitive about it. And um you know, on the, the subject of, of the TV spots and, and the, the trailers, you know, Jason, you said we've seen about three minutes of the film total. Uh, I, I think the, the, the grand total up is about five, six minutes. At this about point, five or six yeah. minutes. But I mean, still, that's just raw material being shown at you in little quick bursts all taken out of context right. with very little dialogue. So the idea of spoilers, what we've seen is just barely scraping the surface of what is this film is going to be all about. And I think you're hard pressed to go into any film without at least having some knowledge about what it's all about, or at least seeing some 
imagery from the film prior to walking into the theater. I think that's nearly impossible to do these days. I think so, too. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, I I kind of liken it to when you were a kid and, and you uh, you were so excited about Christmas and you wanted to know what you were getting for Christmas and you might go sneaking around the house or, or whatever. And then as you got older, you started to sort of appreciate the idea of the surprise and the spirit of everything. And so I think some of us are just older and wiser now. I also think a lot of us are more busy than we were. I mean, I know I don't have a job that allows me to, uh, you know, be hitting refresh on uh, comingsoon.net like I did when Eps 2 and 3 were coming out. So, um, and, and, and yes, and I echo everything you said, Jim, too. I think that uh, um, we kind of learned our lesson from uh, when the prequels were coming out. And, we're, we're, and, and it seemed less risky, to your point, that we knew where they were headed. So it was, we kind of knew the end point. Here we don't. It's, it's wide open. So let's uh, all enjoy the ride together. I, I agree. I recall being at uh, Star Wars Celebration 2 in Indianapolis and watching Rick McCallum's panel. And Rick showed some complete footage from the film a month before it was going to hit the theaters, including portions of the Dooku Yoda showdown. (laughs) So, I mean, I felt like I almost had seen the entire movie by the time I walked out of that convention. And we were still a month away from it. But yet, when the film opened and I sat there in the theater and watched it for the first time, it was filled with surprise and excitement and freshness, despite the fact I had seen every trailer, studied every TV spot, just, just drooled over every clip that I could get. I, I was mildly spoiled going into it. Um, I feel a mile away from The Force Awakens at this point, three weeks out from it open. I don't feel anywhere close to having have absorbed the amount of information I I did back in the prequel era. There's just no question about it. And uh that you know a lot of credit goes to JJ Abrams and his crew. Of course, you know, he's famously known for wanting to keep the mystery. And that's great because I think they've been very effective in the way they've been rolling out this film. And I I don't think we're getting too spoiled with any of the TV spots, but it is something to look out for and something that we try to to be very careful about here on uh, Rebel Force Radio. Here we go. I can't hear him. I can't hear him either. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, we, we are taking unscreened calls randomly here. And uh, let's just jump on this next caller. Hey, Jimmy, Jason. It's your buddy Mike from South Philly. I just wanted to call in and... Uh, you know, speak about what's been going on. There's so much going on in Star Wars world. I figured I'd touch base with you before the holiday. Um, you know, th- there's so much going on. It's almost like I don't. I couldn't even like come up with something to talk about. But uh, you know, I've been really happy and impressed with all of the TV spots that we've been getting recently. It's um, I've been a little cautious with watching them, but I'm just like you guys. I'm sure you know it's hard not to when you know it's out there. Um, and they're doing a good job of, you know, giving us new glimpses of things, but, you know, I, I, I don't think any of us still really know what exactly is going on. Sort of doing a good job of not spoiling anything, but getting us, you know, even more amped up though. I don't know how much that's possible and we only got a few weeks left, so it's getting rough waiting. <laughs> I just want to see it, but at the same time, this is a, I'm enjoying the, the wait. 
Uh, and the other thing I wanted to touch base with you on is the whole um, the George Lucas interview that we got a. You know, I know you guys played some of it on Friday. I, I don't know where I really feel with it. It's like I understand where he's coming from, and you know, despite all my, you know, I, I, I am somebody that does have issues with the prequels, but I don't hate them. But I do have issues, and I also have issues with some of the changes George has made. Um, but so I understand that this is the first time it's out of his hands, and you know, it's probably very difficult for him to see somebody else, uh, you know, making a Star Wars story without his direct, you know, consultation. But at the same time, I'm happy to hear that Disney is trying to make something for the fans. I feel like that's what we've kind of wanted this whole time that we were expecting with the prequels. And, you know, I don't need complete fan service, but, you know, give us the things that we loved about the original trilogy. And it kind of bothers me that George doesn't see that. And there's this weird relationship that's been established over the prequel years with George's relationship with the fans. Um, But, you know, that was it. Just uh, kind of rambling some things off. I uh, hope you guys have a good Thanksgiving and um, have a good couple extra weeks, man, until the movie gets here. And I'm sure I'll call back in once we see it. May the force be with you. Take it easy, guys. You know, I liken this to, or I think back rather, that when uh, George said to Oprah, you know, I never got to experience Star Wars. He said, I, you know, I, I wish I, I wish I had. I wish I had the same experiences the fans and the people who love it so much and i and you have to take into account that george's uh vantage point on all of this is so different from ours when you're in the eye of the storm you do not experience what those that are not in the eye of the storm are experiencing it would be impossible for george i believe to have been the creator and the chief architect of everything we know about Star Wars up till about a couple years ago, the film universe, the TV universe, um, for him to understand it in the same way that we do. And so, to me, of, of, of course he's not going to fully grasp what we feel makes Star Wars great, what we love about Star Wars. Frankly, that's not his problem. That's not his job. He's not a marketing guy. He's not a focus group guy. He's a creator. He's a storyteller. And there's something pure when you think, you know, when you look at how this this, this uh, perspective that George is taking on this, I think now we know just how pure a vision the prequels were. I don't think George was compromising at all. That was the story he wanted to tell. And I feel that you, you must respect that. You must respect that. You also can't assume that he's going to be okay with taking a more uh, marketing focus group uh, strategy in developing story for future Star Wars movies because they come from within. They're the stories he wants to tell. So uh, to me, this is just case perfect of the creator versus the steward whose job it is, who it's been handed off. You're going to have these conflicts. Uh, and what makes a difference here is that George is still around, thankfully, uh, to 
give us this this perspective and this insight. Otherwise, it would probably be all speculation. But here we have it playing out in front of our very eyes and ears. Comments from JJ, comments from George, the, the, what we've seen of the movie. Um, so I, I really think that this is just, it's to be expected. You're going to have a split. You're never going to have the guy who created it look at it the same way as you, a spectator. It's going to be interesting to hear the uh, armchair quarterbacking going on from George Lucas as uh, new Star Wars rolls out. I mean, heck, this can't surprise anyone. George was openly critical about expanded universe stories when they were making money for him. So this is no surprise that he is. I don't know about how public he was about that. Well, he was public enough in the Robot Chicken DVD. He they did a whole bit about how he doesn't like Mara Jade. Well, but, you know, I think that if you didn't know that that was true, <laughs> if you, you, you are right, Jason, we are privy to some behind closed doors information. Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't know that was true, that he really uh, never cared for any of the any of the expanded universe stuff. He always looked at it as something completely separate when what he was doing and quite irrelevant. It was, you know, a lot of it was about just funding the machine. And when I say the machine, I don't mean funding George Lucas's pockets. I mean, funding ILM, funding his, you know, still pioneering efforts in filmmaking and storytelling and all of that. You know, those were revenue streams that were feeding what I think George has always felt was this almost think tank uh, style of um, of of producing art. Well, yeah, as long as he's the only one in the tank doing the thinking. Yeah, but 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 how do you but he's the he's the guy. I mean, you know, he created it. He is. He was, you know, so as long as as long as he was, you know, it's like. As long as it's still called Lucasfilm, then I'm calling the shots on this. You can't argue with it. How long will it continue to be called Lucasfilm, especially if George is openly critical about the uh, new films coming out? Well, we, I mean, could, we could potentially see a, a, a transition over the, over the course of years where it just that, gets that, swallowed that, up. Yeah, yeah, that starts to go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it may. It wouldn't surprise me. But there is a culture that was established with the production of the Star Wars films at ILM and Lucasfilm that that I think maintains a lot of integrity and they should do what they, they can to preserve that. So I don't know if just having Lucasfilm get swallowed up by Disney is the right move if you want to maintain that integrity well i I, well you know at this point all it really is i mean i know that it's a division it is it's a it's a company but you know as far as the public is concerned uh it's it's just a brand name right it's just a brand name and disney is probably starting to ask themselves if they haven't already they will soon what's the value of that brand exactly Keep in mind, George Lucas's name is nowhere to be seen on the poster for The Force Awakens. He's not being credited in any way, shape, or form as a consultant or even with a based on the characters and situations created by George Lucas. None of that is on the actual. It'll be in the credits. I guarantee it'll be in the credits. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the second card in the end credits. The first card being... 
directed by J.J. Abrams, second card, based on characters and situations created by George Lucas. Or it'll say based on Star Wars created by George Lucas or something to that effect. I think he'll get the second card. J.J. did announce earlier this week that he has finished the final sound mix on the film, so essentially locking the film down. We've heard that there could be some visual effects that are still getting tweaked a little bit, but for all intents and purposes, The Force Awakens is ready to hit theaters in three weeks. The work is done on it, so pretty exciting stuff. Um, but back to George, he's changed so much over the years, and that's that that's totally natural. I mean, he went from a guy who was something of a renegade filmmaker getting into his his first real taste of mainstream filmmaking with uh, American Graffiti and then rolling that into Star Wars. He was able to, uh, you know, based on the success of American Graffiti, get the clout he needed to make Star Wars. And he was still a very young and hungry filmmaker. Now, fast forward it almost 40 years into the future. He's one of the richest men on the, the face of the earth. He's raising a family. He's got three adult children. So he's been through a lot of life experience. And what he did with Star Wars is he made it very personal. He made a a movie that his kids can enjoy. And I think his children were a massive influence on him as he was developing the prequels. Now, of course, that did make a ton of money for him again. But yet, like you said, Jason, it's unfair to say, oh, all that money went to, to George. This guy has dumped more capital into the filmmaking industry to develop film techniques than just about anyone who's ever walked. We wouldn't. I mean, we wouldn't have. Look, we wouldn't have Pixar if it wasn't for George Lucas. George Lucas funded the early efforts with uh, of of what well, wasn't even Pixar then. It was the software that they were developing, but it was it was George's um, commitment to funding things that were not profitable like Pixar and that technology, that computer-generated uh, technology uh, in film, it, it was that that eventually led to us you know, enjoying these. I mean, think about just that alone, that achievement. I mean, this is a guy who is, in my opinion, the Thomas Edison of filmmaking. Yet everyone just wants to obsess on the fact that he created Jar Jar Binks. So you wonder why he's a little frosty. Yeah, and he'll double and triple down on that Jar Jar forever. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna keep rubbing our nose in Jar Jar until the day he's right. off this planet. Right. But <laughs> we should probably play another voicemail. We're gonna run out of time here. Hi, fellas. This is Anthony in rural Western Pennsylvania. I just finished listening to the November thirteenth episode of Rebel Force Radio. Outstanding episode, and I have a quick comment. I'm hoping this might fit in this entire voicemail about the last half or most half of the show concerning Slave Leia action figure. When I heard the clip from Fred Hill on the opposite side of my home state concerning uh, his thoughts on coming across this Slave Leia action figure in Target with his daughters, I am the father of three girls. And we all dork out absolutely together to the most minute detail, repeatedly, over Star Wars. And when I heard this and his comments on how his daughters had seen this 
and he has no answers, my particular first thoughts were not to tell him how to parent or anyone else, but as the father of three girls and repeatedly watching this, was that if he has no answers as a father of, th- of girls, then you better get some. You better find some answers, Fred, because if you don't have answers because your girls are going to look to you first as a parent, then they will find answers somewhere else. Is that what you want? And I'm fairly certain that Fred will not hear or even come close to hearing this. Yeah, no doubt. That would be my first particular uh, comment, thoughts, suggestions, opinions on this, as my daughters have no issues with this particular subject. They understand the entirety from beginning to end of how the story plays and where Leia fits in it as that particular scene plays out. Okay, I think I think we've got the gist of uh, of of his comments, and I think he makes a really great point. Is that look, dude? If you don't have the answers, you better get some because they're going to formulate their own. And who would you rather them having that you know that conversation with? And I truly don't even think it's all that difficult. I think that he it was much ado about nothing. I don't think it's difficult or even. deserves a lengthy explanation if you're just passing through the toy aisle and you're you know faced with this question from a child uh but but his point is solid you better come up with one because if it's not that it's going to be the brats dolls you know no one's complaining about that or at least not very vocally or it's going to be uh the way this barbie looks or it's going to be i mean there's plenty of messaging um, directed at our at at our kids, I think the least of our worries is a you know thirty plus year old uh, costume from a movie that um, you know is so ingrained and so firmly ensconced in popular culture. I mean, why in the world would we be going back and and second guessing that at this point is just absurd to me. Absolutely absurd. What we do moving forward is another question. You know, in the case of Daisy Ridley or whomever we might see, any other female character we might see in an upcoming Star Wars movie, the creators uh, and the, cre- you know, the creative team will have to make that decision about what, what's appropriate and what fits their vision. Um, but to go back and uh, you know, denounce it, and believe me, by stopping you know, any future, we still have no confirmation on this, but by stopping any future um, depiction of this you know, based on people's knee-jerk and uh, reactions uh, to, to today compared to what we had in 1983. It's just silliness, silliness. There are so many other things we should be targeting in pop culture that are without question offensive. I mean, look at the hip hop culture that glorify gang banging, killing cops and, and, and robbing from innocent people. I mean, this stuff gets glorified every I see it every time I turn the TV on. Oh, they're heroes. They're heroes. And, and we give them awards. And we give them awards. You see them all the time on award shows. And it's just, it's nightmarish that, you know, this is the type of pop culture that we're glorifying. Yet people want to spend their time and energy complaining about the lovely Princess Leia's metal bikini. <laughs> we live in a pretty ugly world sometimes. And I'm sorry, but there's, there's, there's nothing ugly 
about that, about the way it the way it looks in the movie, its purpose in the movie, and what it inevitably allows that character to do in the movie. There's absolutely nothing ugly about it. So why don't we just focus on the real evil and the real ugly in this world? Hey, Jimmy, Jason. It's Bianca from Michigan calling with my quick thoughts on the International Force Awakens trailer that dropped today. I just watched it again in my car as I wait for Chinese food, and I'm still speechless. There's just so much more and yet nothing at the same time, which I know is probably what everybody is thinking, but finally get to see Leia not crying. (laughs) Poe kind of finally see 3PO and just so much more introducing Finn and Ray officially on the screen and BB-8 is just so freaking cute. I can't stand it. <laughs> um, the scenes on Jakku with the Falcon flying around more. The sunset images with the TIE Fighters and the Race Theater are just mind-blowing. It's crazy. <laughs> um, that's it. Can't wait. Got my tickets. Talk to you guys all later. Bye. Yeah, well, that is, that's raw. That is real. <laughs> Uh, reaction. Uh, that's the kind of stuff we love to hear. And uh, see, but you know what? That just goes to show you the marketing with this film is that um, she's blown away. She, but she doesn't even know what she saw yet. <laughs> so how, how can this, the film get spoiled by these these uh, this imagery that we're right. getting treated to prior to it opening? I mean, it's uh, it's hard even for me to put it all together. So uh, she sure doesn't seem to be uh, worried about spoilers and uh, just completely enthralled with this rollout process which is if you ask me it's one of the greatest marketing pushes i've ever seen a film receive hey guys this is mike from northern minnesota and uh, i just wanted to say my first reaction from that international trailer um, i really liked that we got to see a lot more of daisy but the biggest thing for me was that uh close-up of kylo's lightsaber when he activates it uh, it obviously looks different than any lightsaber we've seen before, and uh, I'm excited to see if they maybe explain it or see what they do with that, because that looked really cool. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that. And uh, there's a lot less Poe in this one. It's obviously, it focused more on Finn and Rey, and I, I thought that was cool. It was good to see a lot of that new footage. But uh, thanks, guys, and keep up the good work. Well, there you go. And then we'll do... <laughs> Did you hear R2? Yeah. <laughs> That's the uh, Star Wars Tops Card Trader app. Oh, perfect timing. It is perfect timing because we like to get the word out about the Card Trader app here on uh, Rebel Force Radio. And uh, because we're so hooked on it, the Tops Star Wars Card Trader app, you can pick it up uh, wherever you find apps. And uh, it's available now, free, with some in app purchases of course, but uh, this is such a great app. You can collect and trade all these amazing vintage cards. You get digital vintage cards from the 70s along with new cards featuring images from Star Wars The Force Awakens. And uh, I am always making trades with the uh, Topps Card Trader app. I'm going to take a look here and see what kind of... Oh, I have 11 pending trades. And some of these trades are crazy. 
My favorite all-time trade came from Star Wars Rebels writer Stephen Melching, who uh, traded me a Bib Fortuna for a Bib Fortuna. So it was almost like the black hole of trades. It's like nobody's even really sure it happened. But I did accept it. <laughs> I did accept it. And we want to accept your trades, too. We're always trading. Just search our username, Rebel Force Radio, and do it all from the comfort of your mobile device. It's the top Star Wars card trader app. Yes, sir. These are the cards you're looking for. Back to voicemail. Right, hold on a second. I've got to see. Uh, Parker got his hair cut. Come here, buddy. He's, he comes out. He's got a mohawk. It's all spiked. Hey, green look at you do you like your hair yeah. yeah can you say can you say hi to jimmy hi parker jimmy. yay say hi hi are you excited for thanksgiving yeah what are you gonna eat turkey i don't want turkey <laughs> turkey what about cake cake what about cookies cookies are my favorite <laughs> yes over cake <laughs> Billy's in there like what the incredulous over cake is what are you uh, what are you saying little yeah. man she's she's gonna take him out yeah she's gonna take him out she's gonna take him out she's gonna take cookies she's gonna take him out out behind the garage and smack him around a little bit in the name of cake <laughs> you're gonna mess this up for all of us kid <laughs> listen I'm counting on this cake you better keep your trap shut you understand fantastic uh, all right um here we go okay hey Jason Jimmy Jared from Arkansas here, and I have a question about the Star Wars Marathon. I know that on the show, the week that they announced they were going to be doing this, you said it was foolish, uh, and I understand that. That's a pretty um, risky thing to try to see all seven Star Wars films in the same day, but I'm just crazy enough to do it. It's not like I'm not going to see The Force Awakens 500 times. Uh, but here's my question. If I go and see all seven Star Wars films in one day, how much popcorn can slash should a person eat? <laughs> Hope to hear what you guys have to say. May the force be with you. Finally, the important questions. All right. How, yeah, much, how much popcorn? Seven films back to back to back to By back. the way, who called it? Who said it was foolish? Yeah, nobody said it was foolish. I just said I can't. I'm not doing it. I want to be in top form when I walk in there to see The Force Awakens, and I suffer from um, a condition known as theater ass. <laughs> where it, when I sit in the theater for so long, I mean, my, my um, butt cheeks both just go on strike. So um, I have to get up and get that blood flowing, and there's no way I could handle seven films in a row, unless, of course, the theater had a hot tub in it, which I'd be perfectly fine with. But um, I, I said, did, by the way, for the record, I said that I would do it in a, in a second. So. Now, I met a loyal Rebel Force Radio listener at uh, the Chicago Wolves game, where I was uh, in attendance last weekend for Star Wars Day. I emceed the event, and uh, Taylor Gray from Star Wars Rebels was there, and we're going to be hearing from Taylor in just a few minutes. Um, I, uh, I met a listener there who was... He had his tickets, and he was pumped up and ready to rock. Of course, I said, well, there's no way I could do it. But I felt, I felt jealous. I'm like, why am I not doing this now? So I felt a little bit of uh, envy for him. And I, I think he's going to have a great time because it will be an experience. But I can't help but think that part of me will sort of drift away at some point maybe and, and not pay so much attention or just get so anxious because I want it to be over so I could see The Force Awakens. 
that could happen too. So, but that's all a head trip on on me. I'm not saying anyone's foolish for doing it. I said, you know me. I say, say it loud, say it proud. Star Wars. Sit in a theater all day. Sitting there for a week for all I care. But Jason, you you are not going to the. Uh, no, I'm not. I don't. Um, uh, what is it? it's on the 18th, and I'm going to be in Chicago, and you f- feel that it's foolish, so I. <laughs> I won't be doing it alone. So we got a lot of work to do, too. <laughs> we do. We just don't have time. You guys are going to be expecting that show, that, that reaction show, so soon after the release. And, uh, yeah, we've we got we, we to gotta deliver. Got to deliver. Can't be in a theater for, you know, 20 hours. <laughs> no, but I, like I said, I, my friend at the uh, Wolves game was uh, – he was he was pretty proud of himself that he got the tickets for the marathon and and there is a part of me that feels a little empty that I'm not going to be there with him. So, <laughs> but speaking of the uh, Chicago Wolves, Jason, yeah. it was a fantastic event. Taylor Gray got into town early uh, before the weekend started, and he met me and Wendy downtown at WGN Radio last Friday, and we did a, a really fun segment with Taylor. As a matter of fact, you can actually see that segment. On our YouTube channel, we shot video of the entire interview, and it's up there now. And uh, on Sunday, we went to the game. There was a great event prior to the game, a meet-and-greet with Taylor, photo opportunities. I was uh, there with the uh, Jedi training and the 501st photo ops. Uh, We were doing trivia contests. It was just a great time. And then I got to sit down. Front row behind the glass. It was a packed house for the Chicago Wolves versus the Iowa Wild. The Wolves won two to one. The force was with the team, and um, the Iowa Wild. The Iowa Wild. This is what's, what's their well, what's their mascot? If they're the Wild, what is it? I don't know anything about the Iowa Wild, Jason. All I know is that they just were not up to the task of taking on the Chicago Wolves. And our mascot is a what's wolf. a Wild? What like is, people are saying what's a Brown, <laughs> but it's. Just, I'm, yeah. just, I'm fascinated by this because I'm sort of a you know an outsider when it comes to the professional sports a little bit, but interesting. No, so you no. yeah a little bit, a little bit. So Taylor Gray, the actor who voices uh, Ezra on Star Wars Rebels, you're hanging with him. We're hanging with him, and and Taylor is a big hockey fan, and we sat right behind the glass, totally intense, and watched the game with Taylor. All right, hanging out at the Allstate Arena, Wolves versus the Iowa Wild, with my color commentator taylor gray taylor t-bone gray taylor t-bone gray i've been wanting to say that forever now we're, we're actually sitting right behind the glass and the action is happening right in front of us fast and furious hockey action and uh this is star wars day here at uh the all-state arena in the chicago wolves and uh taylor you and me we just uh had an event right before the game tons of fans oh like, yeah like 800 of them. Yeah. And uh, everyone lined up, took pictures with you and uh, members of the 501st. And Jedi you, you were emceeing the event? I was MCing. Flawlessly? Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. It was a lot of fun, and uh, you did a great job with your meet and greet. I don't think a, a fan was in there. Oh, I wouldn't put my beer there. Yeah, yeah that's a good I, I just realized that. I would not put a drink there uh, because the guys are going to come slamming up against the boards here at any moment, and you'll be wearing that drink, yes. sir, so. We have to be careful. 
But uh, yeah, so what a great uh, day here for the Wolves, you know, to do a Star Wars day. And so cool for you to come in for it. Oh, dude, it's been such a blast. I'm so glad they invited me out. I've had such a fun time. I would love to do this every week if I could. Get some sports, get some Star Wars, yeah. get some snow. What more could you oh, ask that's for? that's right. You're a California boy, right? Oh, yeah. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Southern California, Orange County area to be more specific. So I was like 10 minutes from the beach. Oh, well, so we got a massive snowstorm here. Oh, I hadn't seen snow for a couple of years. In the Chicago area. And, uh, yeah, you got to see... Uh you got to see that snow front row, just like we're watching the game right now. Oh, yeah. This is cool. I've never been on the glass either, so this is awesome. Yeah, really. I mean, you really get to feel the uh, impacts of the hits, and uh, they just practically get right in your face. So you're from California, and um, how did you uh, first get involved in acting? Um, I started with just doing commercials out of convenience. I was so close to Los Angeles. I was in a lot of commercials, and my agent was like, Hey, why don't you read for a show? And I was like, all right, sure, I'll do that. Went and auditioned for a couple shows and movies and ended up booking one. And on that first job I did, it was a movie with uh, John Leguizamo and Rosie Perez. And, do, whoa, holy shit. Took a puck right across our face. <laughs> um, doing that, I, I really got to see some amazing actors every day for a couple weeks. And I realized, like, this is what I want to do. You got bit by the bug. And immediately my competitive nature kicked in. And I was like, Mom, if I'm going to do this, I want to be the best at this. So I... Got enrolled in like five acting classes and was like, let's do this. So every night, I'm so thankful my parents, they would drive me up to LA every night, sit in the car for like three hours, read a book while I was in there at class. Oh, oh, some hard hits. Olafsson, 13 goes down. (laughs) Shot block. (laughs) There is no score, by the way. We're at uh, 16-10 in the second and no score yet. I should, uh, you know, let people know if they're just tuning in right now. (laughs) 0-0, zero, zero, everybody, in the 16th minute of uh, the second period. So you got to work with a, a guy like John Leguizamo, who's just a great actor. Oh, and he's a method actor. He, in this movie, he gets shot in the head right right uh-huh. towards the beginning. I'm not spoiling this. It's been out for about nine years. Uh, he gets shot in the head, and um, he is rehabilitating throughout mm-hmm. the movie. And every day I'd go into work, and he'd be like, Taylor, button up my um, jacket for me. Walk me through this door. Okay. And I was like... Mom, if, I was like, if this guy tells me to do that again, I'm going to hit him. Like, I was like, this guy needs to stop doing that. And she goes, she goes, Taylor, that's he's a method actor and he's he's in character. Yes. And I was like, well, he better stop. And then I realized, like, that's unbelievable. He really became another person for a month, two months while we were shooting the movie. And I, that was when I really realized that's cool and that's what I want to do. That's amazing. So, yeah, a great talent. And what's the name of that film again? It's called The Take. The Take. Yeah. The Take. The Take with John Leguizamo, Rosie Perez, Bobby Cannavale, and uh, Tyrese Gibson. So what led you then from acting in front of the camera to doing some voice acting? Uh, That was never part of the plan. I never expected that, and I'm so, so grateful now. Um, About two and a half years ago, my agent um, sent me a a breakdown and a script and said, hey, do you want to record this? I know it's voiceover. You haven't done that, but give it a shot. I recorded it in, like, my closet, <laughs> sent it in. Didn't hear anything for about a month, which that's usually way too long if you're going to get a job. Um, yes. That usually means you're not going to get it. So I had forgotten about it, and I got a call. Oh! Uh, hard wow. hits on the glass. Oh, slap oh. That was a one-timer. There Playing we go. The rebound. A wrist shot. Down right in right. the Iowa crease. There we go. And uh, they kicked Still it out Still in the to attacking the third. We have a stick down by four. Lindbaum. 
A lot of hot action going on here in the Iowa zone. How the so, puck is moving yeah, across to, the I had, uh, I got a call, got asked to go into um, the Disney Animation Studios and meet with, I didn't know who I was meeting with, but it happened to be Dave Filoni uh-huh. and Greg Weissman at the time and a couple other producers. We recorded, and then um, about a week later, I got a call, and they said, you'd got the job, and uh, found out that it was Star Wars, and that was unbelievable. That is um, so. You obviously didn't know you were auditioning for Star Wars at the time. Not a clue. They called the project Wolf. I thought it was like a Jungle Book project. I had no idea. Uh, well, it makes sense now that we're at the Wolves game. Hey, and the Wolf know. Pack. The, the, the that's force, what Dave that's said. Right. He called it Wolf because of his whole Wolf Pack. And that was why our show, to start out, was our show literally was called Wolf. Wolf. Well, you know, of course, Dave Filoni loves the Wolves. I, I got the tattoo of the Wolf on my shoulder, as you just pointed. And, um, yeah, we're, we're happy to be honorary members of the Wolfpack. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I, I extend that to you, but only Dave can actually, um, might I add, bring people into the Wolfpack. For his, oh, it was a celebration of this ending of the second season. As a, as a cast, the core five of us, the, the crew of the Rebels, right, right. excluding Chopper because that is. Yeah, we can't say. We yeah. can't say who the voice of Chopper is, we can we? can't. You're we right. Can't. You're it's right. It's a secret. It is. I just saved your skin. You did. I did. Thank you. <laughs> Good job. Okay, yes. But he whispered it in my ear anyway. Yes. What? You knew. Uh, yes, yes. Of course. Okay, so, <laughs> yes. Good Good save. Um, <laughs> we um, got Dave uh, boots with wolves on them uh-huh. for the wolf pack, and now he has them in his office uh, up at uh, really? Lucasfilm that has um, at the ranch. They have wolves on him for the wolf back. That's awesome. Yeah. Have He's you, the man. Have you been to see Dave over at LDAC? We've gotten multiple. Well, they say we have an open invitation. We we had two chances, and I was unfortunately working, and, and I couldn't make it up, which is a real bummer, but um, I haven't gone up there yet. Well, you got to go up there. You oh, I know. I know. I have to. you got to go see him because it's an amazing operation they have Have you up been up there? there? Yes. Yes, oh, I Oh, right on, have. man. Yeah, you know, I sneak in. Um, security looks the other way, and I, I sneak in and stuff. I love that. So or I, I hang out force. as long as I can until they call the af- yeah. authorities. But <laughs> no, actually, I've been out there to, to visit uh, Dave Filoni and some of the other guys who work on the show, Joel Aaron and uh, Keith Kellogg, who's the yeah, uh, animation director. Yeah. You know, they're, uh, what a great they're group. awesome. They're they're amazing. They're amazing guys. Very creative oh, and yeah. uh, ingenious in, in many ways. So a lot of people are talking about season two of Rebels. Mm-hmm. We've grown to know Ezra, which has been fantastic. He's a character who's resonated with me more than I thought he would awesome. coming out of the box, which has been really cool. And it's interesting because he's he's on this 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 mission to become a Jedi. But if you ask me, I don't think Ezra has completely convinced himself that he wants to be a Jedi. Well, it's tough because it's circumstance. Oh, and the crowd have, goes yeah, wild. <laughs> what is going on right now? Yeah, I'm, got, still, I'm still waiting for our first fight in the night. Yeah, we, we've seen some words being uh, exchanged, exchanged. But, but I, I want to see the fists being thrown. We want blood on the <laughs> ice. Um, but, no, back to your question. That's a good point. Ezra is, he came up on his own. He was a street rat by himself, um, was very independent. And so he still had to embrace... He did everything for himself. Do you know what I mean? So now 
uh, that he's part of a team. We're seeing him learn about the Jedi way, and he's seeing that he has more success when he acts as a Jedi should. Um, but I agree. I don't, and he, he hasn't. I, I know that from where my head is at playing character. He hasn't completely convinced himself that that is what he thinks best. Ooh. Oh, there we go. There we go. Fight. Hey, there we go. Oh, there we go. Now Fight. we're fighting, Taylor. Fight. We're getting together in the middle of the ice. Just, just Come pushing on. and shoving. I, I, yeah, they're being held back here. The Chicago Wolves versus the Iowa Wild. Some tempers are starting to flare. Taylor Gray pounding on the glass. Let him fight. Let him fight, he says. It's hockey. <laughs> so um, the thing people are really interested in, the big mystery about Ezra, is, is his parents. And Dave Filoni has told us that we'll be getting some more information on that. And I certainly don't want to get any information from you about that right now, but there's that that mystery that still remains about Ezra. Ezra has now become very strong in the force, as we've seen. He, he's getting stronger and stronger. He, he, he's able to handle a lot more things, um, but the one thing that can still eat away at him is his parents. And and that story actually comes to a head in, in this second season, which is, I think... To me, one of the better storylines, recording the episodes that dealt with that were the most fun, especially as an actor. We got to really, really dive in on that, which I was so uh, so happy with, and, and I hope that fans enjoy the, that storyline. It's been a great buildup thus far, and I expect the payoff to be just as interesting as the buildup has been. I love to see the, the character development with Ezra, too. Oh, yeah. He's definitely seen a lot of growth in just the first season and a half. I mean, for crying out loud, he had a showdown against Darth Vader. Exactly, which, the baddest villain in all of cinema. The the strongest villain ever. But no, you're you're right, and it's it's been very fun because coming into it, I didn't know what to expect out of an, an animated show. I, I was like, I hope we get to really dive in as actors and everything, and it's been amazing. We, you, we've really developed these characters, and every day we go, as soon as I walk through the doors of the Recording sale, it's back in, diving in deep, and it's it's the most fun thing ever. That's great. And when you guys get together to record, is it, it's full cast recording. Full cast. Everyone there bouncing off each other. You get that energy moving around, and you kind of pass it back and forth as you would on set. It's like a live action project just without the camera there. I think there's great chemistry between you and Freddie Prince Jr. as Kanan uh, as well. He's the man, and we, he, Freddie's so good, and, and as an actor, is just fantastic as well. He, he, uh, right off the bat developed this relationship where like he would give give me advice all the time we would go out to dinner afterwards and he he just wanted to really establish that because that's a very strong thing a jedi and a padawan that relationship and freddie being the actor he has wanted to create that <clears throat> dynamic as well so we've we've hit it off and he's he's an unbelievable dude and it's been so fun and it's hey oh wrap around yeah, a little right we almost uh were able to get in we got a blocker pad i want there. that fight yeah, well, again, tempers starting to flare out in the uh, the goalie crease right there. So, um, you and, and, and Freddie, though, it goes beyond just acting together, though. He's actually turned you on to things like jujitsu. Oh, yeah. Freddie and I have, uh, well, not, we, he, we, he's, we haven't rolled officially because he's, I think he's like a blue belt. He's way up there. I'm, I'm, I'm more towards the beginning of this, but he, um, he immediately was like, Taylor, you like going to the gym, you like working out, you like sports, get into jiu-jitsu. So I signed up for class. My roommate also signed up for jiu-jitsu. 
And then I've been doing it for a while now, and it is so fun. Good workout, too. Oh, yeah. Good and discipline. Freddie's got mats at his house and everything. He, he's the real deal. He can really, really uh, roll. He's good. Well, as uh, our listeners know, Freddie is a big fight fan as well. And uh, he's uh, into a lot of the fighters I used to love watching, like, in the 90s and stuff. Guys like Roy Jones Jr., etc. So um, he, he must be uh, thrilling to work with. Who's the biggest cut-up in the studio? Uh, probably Steve Bloom. Interesting. What does he do to sort of break the tension? Or uh... he's a, One, he's hilarious. Two, he... he uh, is he's the master of voices so and sounds in general so it will be in a very serious take very serious and the take will end and i can't do it as well as him but he will make the sound of somebody passing gas (laughs) um so well that you really but when it first happened the first 20 times happened you're like oh wow who in the world just did that and you realize it's just uh steve bloom having a little fun and he, he's so good at doing it, you actually smell it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you actually smell Dude, this is the place to be down here. This is the place yeah. to watch the game from. Absolutely. Yeah, this is the place to see the game right. from. This place is amazing. Another guy who has a similar reputation is D. Bradley Baker. D's a professional. Like, <laughs> we're all everyone's professional. D can do every... Oh. They want us to get loud. Yeah. Apparently, we're doing just that. It's a face-off down in the Iowa zone. The Bud Lights, oi! Smashing hard up against the glass here in the Iowa zone. Exciting hockey action. Oh, yeah. So, D. Baker. Oh, he's an, he's so, such a good voice actor. Uh, can Just like uh, Steve, can do every voice imaginable. But he doesn't, he doesn't joke around as much as, uh, as everyone else. I, we all have a lot of fun. We have a very fun cast. Well, you've heard Dee's crickets and all of his other... He does it all the time. He does. he does it all the time. <laughs> One of us makes a joke that doesn't hit well, crickets. Goal! Hey! Oh, no! Oh, boy, that was a point-blank range shot. A little premature there. Going uh, forehand, backhand, right Fire into the in. crease. In. Wolves are uh, cycling the puck around pretty yep, well we right go. now. Waiting for an opportunity. Shoot that. It is a power play for the Chicago Wolves right now. Behind the blue line. Let's bring it back before we get off sides. There we go. A lot of action. Skating back up into the zone. Taking it up to the top of the slot. Oh, good shot. So um, are you guys commentating hockey or podcasting Star Wars? Both. That's why this is the best podcast on the air. Thank you. Thank you, Taylor. That's my son, Michael, asking that question. Wendy? I just got you a new listener. I ran into some lovely people in the beer line, and um, there was a guy who had a Boba Fett jersey, and I said, hey, like your jersey. And his friend was a hot girl, and she said, oh, I got this... I don't know, a tan-tan? And I said, oh, it's a tauntaun. And she said, oh, you know so much about Star Wars? And I said, I've heard it around the house a lot. And she unzipped it, and it's all the interior of the tauntaun where Luke slept. Yes. 
And she was so impressed that I knew that Luke kept warm in a tauntaun. So wow. thank you for me learning things through osmosis. Look at that. It helps I, in the beer line. Absolutely. And then I told her about Rebel Force Radio and the dude, and they're new listeners now. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Wendy. Wendy does like 95% of her socializing in the beer line. Love so. that. <laughs> but, you know, that's great. That's awesome. So what did you think about... Have you seen the, the trailers for the new Star Wars film, The Force Awakens? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course you have. I mean, everyone's seen them. And what kind of impact has that made on you? Just now, especially knowing well, that you're a part of the franchise yourself. Uh, now I, I know a lot more Star Wars, which is fun because I feel a part of the club. And it's a very welcoming club, which is amazing. Um, but I'm, it's just making me so excited. I'm stoked to see it. Absolutely. Do you already have your tickets? I do. Right on. I do. I, I ordered them online. $50 million pre-sale. Can you believe that? And there's still four weeks to go before the film oh, actually yeah. opens. So I uh, went to go see Spectre, the Bond film. Same here. And I showed my AMC Stubbs Club card, and it printed up this huge stack of tickets, and they're like, it's your Star Wars tickets. She's like, everyone's mad they're getting them today. I don't know why it's doing it. That's hilarious. I said, are you kidding me, mad? I'm so pumped yeah, up now. Now I have them. So fun, so fun. We're back at uh, full strength here. The Wild, we're on a, uh, well, we had a power play. The Wolves, five on four, and now it's back at full strength. So, of course, you know, with 50 million in ticket sales, uh, that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone because we've seen so much passion for fans, for the franchise, for quite a while. I mean, last summer at Disney's Hollywood Studios, you were there for Star Wars Weekends. And, yeah. And I, I got to talk to you there for a few minutes. So, now that it's coming, going, uh, what kind of impact did that have on you to see all those fans there and to be able to interact with them? It was so fun because that was our second year there. But the first year, Rebels had not hit the air yet. Everyone had seen the trailer, so people were excited. But they, we didn't, they didn't really know what to talk about because it wasn't out yet. Um, so it was fun to meet fans then. But this last year there, our show had been out for a year, and people were, were, were really into it, which was so, super cool. Um, and it's just amazing to see how many fans there are. And it's, it's so fun to talk to them and hear their sentiments. Um, because they, they truly know more than we do. <laughs> At least they, most of the time, they, I think they know more than I do. Whoa, wow. Puck just uh, slapped the glass right by us. I hope the glass stays intact. I can't wait to tell Dave Filoni about this experience in this game. Because he is a huge hockey fan. Yes. A goalie himself. We tried to get Dave out here a couple years ago. The Blackhawks, Chicago Blackhawks, played his team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, outdoors in a giant oh, snowstorm. Yes, the Winter Classic. And uh, I could have gotten his tickets, but Dave just couldn't swing it. So that's a bummer. We didn't go. Oh, Wendy is going to jump back in. I just wanted to say again when I was waiting in line, I befriended a guy. Again, in the beer line. Sorry about that. Um, he was telling me that there's typically not many people at a Wolves game, and he cannot believe how long the lines were and how many people were here. So, Star Wars rules. Yeah, it's go. very true. I was here at last night's game. Nobody was in that, uh, the upper what deck. is a full upper, like, no one was there. And it's very cool to see. Yeah, it's a packed house here. It's fun. It is a packed house. And uh, Star Wars and hockey... Is a great combination, if you ask me. Are you kidding? <laughs> so it works out just right. And then, of course, you know, 
you got to interact with fans at Star Wars Celebration, which was huge. Oh, yeah. Now that, oh, come on, 60,000 fans? That's a whole different beast. I had no idea what, and everyone had told me, wait till you go to a celebration. You think weekends is wild, and were they right? It's, so that was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you found yourself on stage for uh, at least the, uh, the premiere. Uh-huh. The uh, season two premiere happened there. And uh, that must have been uh, just great for you guys to get together with the cast and have a weekend where you're treated like rock stars. Oh, yeah. It's so fun. Are you kidding me? Shoot that, bud. Oh, shot on goal. Oh, here we go. Going for the five hole, it appeared. I heard Beach, number 20 out here, is the enforcer. So anytime he's on the ice, I'm hoping for that fight. Oh, yeah. He's going to flare things up a little bit here, I think. So the thing that really sticks out with Wendy a lot is the the spiritual nature of Star Wars, specifically that episode from season one when Ezra communicated with Yoda. It was uh, it was about as deep as we've seen Rebels go, mm-hmm. and um, it, it opens up a lot of mystery concerning Ezra and his connection to the Force and how strong it actually might be. In the second season, that spiritual nature we're talking about, uh, we dive into that so much further, which is my... It's funny, she she has taken a liking to that. That's my favorite part as well, because that's the part that transcends everything. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It, it, you can relate it to anything. And when I was reading those scripts, I told Dave, I said, dude, I'm going through this stuff in my life. And he's like, then that means we're doing our job right. And, and that's why I think Star Wars is so amazing, because it takes place in this far-out galaxy where it seems so so foreign yet the themes of it are these universal truths that we deal with every day in life and and to be able to have something ring so true with a big slug like java do you mean it's so amazing to me yeah it's it is a a vast universe and and i think the fabric that holds it all together is the force you know it's that spirituality which brings me back to it a lot well let's face it the spaceships and explosions and and lightsabers are all very cool but uh it's the thing that it's it's really deep. What what are they doing up here? We have a video. favorite. Fi- the players are talking about their favorite Star Wars characters, Yoda, Yoda or Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Three, four for Yoda, two for Chewbacca, three for Chewbacca. Look like Yoda had the edge there. R two or three PO is the question. R two. R two. They're all saying R2-D2. R2-D2. All the players. Oh, the, only one, one for 3PO. 3PO. Well, you know. So the winners were R2-D2, Chewbacca, Luke Skywalker, and Chewbacca. Chewbacca. I mean, yeah, no idea. Chewbacca. Do you do a Chewbacca impersonation? This will be my first try. And all right, let's we do it. we got a little liquid courage. Here we go. <laughs> oh, that was not your first try. I don't, you do one. I don't know. Oh, gosh. Uh, that's actually pretty damn good. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Yeah. I sound like Chewbacca after he'd been out all night. Yeah, same here. But, hey, Taylor, it's just been a blast hanging out with you this Dude, weekend. Thanks, we had a great man. time at WGN Radio. Oh, yeah, that was a great time. Those beautiful studios right there on Michigan Avenue. Can't go wrong. And uh, hanging out with Wendy and stuff. And, by the way, that podcast is available online right now at WGNRadio.com. Awesome. Just uh, search for uh, the Bill and Wendy show. 
Bill was out and I was filling in and it was a great time. And uh, we were so happy to have you there in the studio with us and here at the Allstate Arena today for Chicago Wolf Oh, it's Star been Wars a great Day. time, man. And I hope you make it back to Chicago soon. Definitely. And uh, we can hang out more often. If not, I'll come out to California. You got it, man. You. Yeah, you always have friends out in California, man. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so awesome. much. Thanks, dude. Taylor Gray. Blast. Great talking to you. So there you have it, me and Taylor Gray getting into the game. Uh, he just had a great time. You also heard from Wendy and Michael in there, too. Jim, I think that's a first. I think that's the first Rebel Force Radio interview recorded while watching a hockey game. While watching a game. I, I'm trying to remember if me and Ashley ever recorded anything at the ball game while we were watching David Eckstein play for the Padre. I don't think we did. Um, I when, know are you, t- when are you and Filoni going to hook up at one of these games? You know, I want to. I, want, I tried to get, and you heard me say that to Taylor, that I tried to get Filoni out to Chicago a couple years ago because the Penguins played the uh, Blackhawks outside in a massive snowstorm at Soldier Field. And uh, I tried to get Filoni out for that. He just couldn't swing it. Uh, he's an international man of mystery, <laughs> frequently making trips to uh, places like uh, Malaysia and right? <laughs> Singapore. Yeah, Singapore and, right. uh, so he uh, and, and yeah, he, he did a big trip to uh, Japan earlier this year. So Dave's all over the place. Um, but yeah, maybe either he'll come to me or I'll go out to see him and maybe we can coordinated uh, time to see uh, Pittsburgh when they're playing San Jose out there on the West Coast or something. But um, Taylor Gray, great guy, as you could hear. Fantastic hockey fan. And uh, one of those guys who really fits in with the culture that Dave Filoni has created around Star Wars animation. We saw the awesome chemistry that the Clone Wars cast famously shared with each other throughout the years. Taylor Gray is one of those types of guys who just fits right in. He's very enthusiastic, smart, fun, and friendly. And uh, really, to see him in action, working with all the Star Wars fans who were there, taking pictures with kids, lightsabers, everything. It was just a great time. So Taylor Gray, another great ambassador for the Star Wars franchise. Hey, and this is the Black Friday show, so uh, we got to talk about deals. And here's the thing about Dorkside Toys, right? They always have great prices. You don't have to wait for days like Black Friday. They always have what you're looking for and at the right price. So check them out for all the latest Star Wars action figures. The lowest prices around. No kidding. Black Series, Star Wars Rebels. Get your Ezra action figure. Saga Legends, Mission Series, the Pop Vinyl, Star Wars uh, figures. They've got an exclusive. So you want to check that out. They've got an exclusive Astromech. Um, but, uh, you know, with the holidays looming, we got three, four weeks. Uh, what is that? I mean, of course... We don't measure by weekends anymore because you can shop 24-7 and uh, make sure that you're checking out The Flash, Arrow, Walking Dead. They're back on TV. Great time for toys. All those big franchises now uh, at the front of people's minds. So uh, pre-orders available. Lots to pre-order. Lots already in stock. Again, great prices on some of those older pop figures and the uh, stuff from The Walking Dead. And so if you've got any holes in your collection, now's a great time. Go back, pick up some of these things. You'll be glad you did. New Star Wars products, of course, in stock. Many coming soon. Make sure you get those pre-orders in. Army Builder Packs, vehicles, the Samurai-inspired Japanese imports. Those are hard to come by. They got them at Dorkside. Plus, uh, lots of older vintage collection. Again, make sure you get those holes filled in um, while you can. 
Star Wars Rebels, uh, those are going to be, I'm, I'm going to make a prediction. I think those are going to be very, very difficult to come by in the near future, especially the, the first few waves. So snag them up now. Many Star Wars items have free U.S. shipping and um, some singles still available for The Force Awakens, but you got to act quick. So visit shotglassdigital.com and click on the Dorkside Toys banner to get the best deals on toys found anywhere on the net. Hello, Rebel Force Radio. My name's Chris, and I want to wish you guys a happy Thanksgiving. I've been reading the Marvel comics recently, and I must say they are really awesome. Uh, my question to you would be, if you could take a character from the comics to put in a movie, who might you want? I really like Dr. Aphra from the Darth Vader series and Sana Solo from the Star Wars series. And, yeah, let me know what you guys think. Thanks, guys. Ooh, ooh, a question about comics. Well, that's really easy. Which character from Star Wars comics would I like to see in a film? Jackson, the rabbit, of course. <laughs> Who are you kidding? No, seriously, um, that, that is a good question. And uh, speaking of, of Jackson, just recently... Charles Lippincott, who is very outspoken on Facebook, he shed some light on Jackson, the infamous six-foot-tall rabbit from the early Marvel comics of the 70s. Jackson had a very short shelf life. (laughs) He was in, you know, just a handful of issues. Uh, A lot of people like to refer to Jackson as Bugs Bunny in space. Kids like rabbits. Can we get a rabbit in this? But I mean, that's how it goes down, right? Yeah, yes. Well, I, <laughs> well, nowadays that's how it would go down. It'd be like, well, we need to be more diversified. We need to have more rabbits in there. <laughs> Let's the, the focus groups say we have to have more rabbits, bugs, bunny types. The rodent community needs representation. Jackson is so brave. <laughs> but I mean, he was such an irregular character, and so. Apparently what had happened, and Charles Lippincott just revealed this, um, after the books were published, Lippincott had to contact Roy Thomas, who was the man in charge. He was a you know, big-time guy at uh, Marvel in the 70s. He was at one time an editor-in-chief of the entire operation, and he was working on the Star Wars book. And it was Roy who created the character of Jackson. Lippincott had to call Thomas to tell him that George Lucas, again, this is, you know, this is like history repeating itself with George's recent comments about uh, the direction Star Wars is going in nowadays. It was George himself who said, no, Jackson. (laughs) He did not like that character. And when Lippincott contacted Roy Thomas at Marvel and said, you have to stop depicting (laughs) Jackson in these books, Thomas quit. He quit the Star Wars. That is dedication. <laughs> yeah, he he quit. I mean, uh, it it I don't think he quit specifically in protest over Jackson, but that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Wow. So Thomas returned to writing Marvel's Conan the Barbarian, which was a book that he was uh, well known for working on and uh Jackson was put away into mothballs for all-time history. He has made a few appearances. There was a reference to him in the Clone Wars episodes. 
Oh, yeah, he was a skeleton. He was a skeleton. <laughs> so Filoni couldn't uh, up, uh, create in, uh, yeah, the, the, the Bugs Bunny skeleton wearing the Jackson outfit uh, laying there in the uh, – it was uh, one of those Gascon episodes, the one when he was walking through that uh, wasteland. I think Jackson's skeleton was probably the most interesting part of that, that episode quite uh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, so that's, uh, you know, I don't think really, I don't know if Jackson is the one character I would lift out of the uh, comics and put on the the silver screen. But if you're talking about the uh, characters in the current Marvel run, I don't think any of them have really made a strong enough impact on me to want to see them on screen in a Star Wars film. That Sana Solo, who... uh, claims to be Han Solo's wife. There's something interesting about her, but I don't know if she would necessarily uh, translate to the screen so well, but you never know. Maybe, maybe. I don't know, Jason, have you been up to date with the, the Marvel comics? Um, no, not so much. I mean, I've really enjoyed um, uh, Shattered Empire, um, so that, but that's dealing a lot with uh, the characters and uh, whatnot that lead right up into Force Awakens, so there's a possibility some of those characters could show up. Um, but there's, I can't say that I've ever been reading a comic book, uh, Star Wars comic book, and been so taken by a character that was exclusive to that book um, that I just am, would, would be dying to see uh, on screen. I mean, I did love Star Wars Legacy. I, I really enjoyed that and Cade Skywalker and that whole story. Uh, I would have loved to have seen that become sort of a direct-to-video animated thing. Um, but um, for the most part, I think... The comic books are fine where they are. Hey, Jimmy and Jason, this is Adam in Orlando, uh, Merrick Crime on Twitter. Just calling to say happy Thanksgiving and happy Life Day to everyone. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, I've been a listener since about 2005, but I haven't been listening recently because I'm trying to avoid as much information about the new movie as possible. I thought uh, Oxygen would be safe, but nope. I had to fast forward through Jimmy and David talking about the new trailer. I can't wait to see the new movie and take my seven-year-old son opening night. Uh, two days out of the week when he's with me, I've been doing a little Sharpie drawing of a Star Wars character or vehicle on his brown snack bag and putting in the number of days until the movie comes out to get him excited. I hope everyone has a great holiday, and I can't wait to play catch on all your shows after The Force Awakens comes out. May the Force be with you. So there's a guy who's going out of his way to avoid spoilers, even... He doesn't even want to see the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, hey, more power to you, pal. That's, uh, that's a little too, uh, too extreme for me. I think that the things like the trailers, they're designed and developed to create uh, anticipation and I think enhance the buildup and the lead up to the release of a film. I don't think they're designed to spoil anything, um, but to each his own. All right, let's do one more here. And then we have a special report from Disneyland and the yeah. Seasons of the Force. Yeah, first-hand account of what it's like to walk through the Seasons of the Force makeover at Disneyland. Hey, Jason and Jimmy. Uh, this is Todd Stewart from uh, Columbus, Ohio. And just um, calling about the new trailer. Um been listening to you guys for, gosh, been close to 10 years shortly after... Jimmy joined the show and um, just really enjoy uh, the new trailer. I think uh, my favorite shot is the one from the uh, gun camera angle on the X-Wing 
that and the shot right after we saw before where the X-Wing is shooting at the TIE fighter and kind of picking off pieces before it, it blows up. Um, those two shots really make me think of all the World War II footage you see of dogfights and, and what uh, George Lucas cut together when he was trying to do the um, the big dogfight in, in Star Wars. So I, I really like that. I want to go jump in the next thing right now or at least go play the excellent video game. Um, hey, keep up the good work, and um, thanks for everything you guys do. Take care. Yeah, that's the feeling that Star Wars should promote within you is that you want to be there flying those ships and uh, getting into that action. The trench run from the original film always gave me that emotion, probably more than anything. When the special editions came out, uh, you might be familiar with this uh, thoroughfare in downtown Chicago known as Lower Wacker Drive, okay? And it's basically, you, you see it a lot in films, especially in those Batman films, where it appears that the cars are driving through like an underground tunnel kind of thing. It's essentially a road underneath a road in Chicago. It's very well known. And uh, the Blues Brothers (laughs) drove like maniacs through there. And, of course, in The Dark Knight, that was that sequence when the Joker was in the side of the van and they were launching rockets at the Batmobile and they were in this underground thoroughfare. Mm -hmm. It's really not underground. It's actually just underneath the the streets. The way the the city is built, it's kind of on levels. So... um, when I was driving through that after seeing the special edition for Star Wars A New Hope, I felt like I was in the trench run. <laughs> you know, I, I still remember that feeling. I was like, wow, this is like the real Star Wars high because I'm, I, I, I'm, I still feel like I'm in the ship. It's, it's almost like if you go canoeing for a day and then you get off the canoe and maybe you're lying in bed that night, you still feel like you're floating in the oh, canoe. Always, yeah, always. That's kind of the thing that Star Wars would give me, the trench run. It felt like I was still in the trench run. So it's that sort of impact that a quality film can have on your emotions and your imagination. And uh, so I, I love the idea he was saying that, you know, he, he sees the trailer and what does he want to do? He wants to fly one of those ships. I think that's the kind of just like base emotion that you get from Star Wars that really is uh, something very special to the films. I mean, that's good action filmmaking is when you, you can parlay that response to the viewer. All right, what, what do you say we uh, get our report from Disney Star Wars Seasons of the Force? Yeah, let's do that. Um Rebel Force Radio listeners were introduced to uh, my pal David Sparks, uh, also known as Max Sparky online, um, when he would join us for a recent episode of uh, Star Wars Rebels Declassified. But David is also a uh, resident uh, of, um, well, of California, but very close to uh, Disneyland Parks in, uh, in Anaheim. And he was there for day one, I believe, of, uh, of Seasons of the Force. And so this is a firsthand account of somebody who just walked through this incredible makeover that they've done. Now, obviously, there's still a lot of construction going on. So the dedicated areas for Star Wars, uh, that's yet to come. But this is an example. Uh, what you're going to hear is an example of the, the lengths that they're going to to transform parts of Disneyland, in particular uh, Tomorrowland, into a the Star Wars theme park of your dreams so uh check it out 
uh, once again, uh, David Sparks here in his firsthand account of Star Wars Seasons of the Force. Well, I'll tell you one thing, brother. You have got to get down to Disneyland. It is so fun. All right. Well, I'm dying to know. This is uh, um, the Seasons of the Force. And this right now, this is exclusive to Disneyland in Anaheim. They have not rolled this out to Disney World in Florida, have they? I was in Florida last week, and they had not. They didn't have it then. And um, uh, I'm in Anaheim, in California now. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it is so fun. I am I am so Jason. I cannot tell you how much I am just nerding out on this shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So for the longest time, because you 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 live out there in Anaheim and, and yeah. are a frequenter of 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 Disneyland, yeah. you guys have sort of been the redheaded stepchild when it comes to Star Wars presence at disney because disney world had star wars weekends yeah i know it made me mad but we, we do have the thing where they te- they have the uh jedi training you know where they have right. the kids out there which is fun you know and it's fun to watch if i was a little kid i would have loved it but the um and and we were the i believe the first to get star tours but i may be wrong about that but no, i think you're right i think it did open in disneyland out there yeah. um but since then it's been i think seven eight years running uh, Star Wars weekends, four or five weekends out of the year, where it's super concentrated Star Wars. They've got celebrities from the films. Um, And so that's been discontinued in light of some of these new developments, and the biggest one being Seasons of the Force. And is this something, David, the way I understand it is that this is um, just a certain time of the year they're going to have this. This is not 365, right? I wish. I wish. It's running right now through May. Okay. And it, it basically, Tomorrowland and Disneyland is now Star Wars land. I mean, it's not what they're going to do with the, you know the big expansion. But right. uh, you walk into Tomorrowland and the Star Wars music is playing. And there is just this energy in Tomorrowland right now that cause I've been a longtime pass holder. I'm a former Jungle Cruise skipper. I've been in Disneyland a long time. There is this energy in Tomorrowland now that is just electric. Everybody is so having so much fun. So how do they how do they pull this off? So you walk in and how do they Star Warsify this? What's okay. what's, what's I mean, new? It's it's everything, Jason. Uh, so that, as soon as you walk in, you know, Disneyland. The whole idea that Walt had was that you would walk down Main Street at the end is what they call the hub, and from there you can go into Frontierland or Tomorrowland, all these different areas. So the the entry to the the area is always important, and the right in the entry to Tomorrowland uh, right now. They've projected a huge rebel symbol on one wall and a huge imperial symbol on another wall. And these are not uh, the these are the old uh, rebel and imperial symbols. They're not Mm -hmm. the the new ones. And um, and it's, you know, it's in red and blue and it's they're massive. I mean, they take up the side of a building on each side. And, you know, you hear the music starting as you're getting close. And it's just a man. It just gets better from there. Well, that's kind of interesting right off the bat. Uh, what you're saying is that this is uh, original trilogy stuff. This is not. We're not seeing uh, emblems and symbols for, um, you know, the new factions in the Force Awakens. We're well, not... well, just just there. I mean, okay. the new movies are all over the place. I mean, it, this is embracing the entire Star Wars galaxy. Uh, they used to have a thing called the People Mover, which then they had another ride on top of it that that was kind of defective and never worked, and they shut it down. But they've got this great platform running down the center. Tomorrowland walk and they've got banners hanging down the side and as you're walking in on the right side are all the the light side banners and the left side is all the dark side banners and they're silhouettes of all of these uh, characters I mean there's one of 
you can see it's clearly um, Chewie and Han, and you can see one is Ezra from Rebels. I mean, they've got like they they've covered the gamut, and they've got some from the new movies as well. I mean, so as you walk down, you see these banners, and it's just really cool seeing them up there. Uh, those are all blue, and then the red ones are the dark side, and it's the same thing. You've got everybody from Darth Maul up to an Inquisitor, and um, wow! Uh, so you're so it is really taking the whole saga. Um, oh yeah, even even the dreaded prequels, right, David? Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, I just can't. I, I still have a problem there, Jason. I know, uh, I know. Well, at least you're oh, not as ba- you're not as bad as Simon Pegg, right? You're not out there saying that if anybody likes these films, you have no credibility. You're an idiot. How dare you like them? They're horrible. Just admit it. You're not going that far, right? No, no. I, I just, you know, it's the dialogue of those movies just kills me. Right. And the midichlorian thing, it like destroyed my childhood, the whole midichlorian concept. But anyway, um, the, uh, but I still, in fact, I was just telling my daughter when we left Star Wars, I said, you know what? We got to watch the prequels one more time. Cause we watch four or five and six, like, like once a month, <laughs> you know, right, yeah. you know, right. but we're like, oh, okay, we well, got to go back and watch the prequels one more time as we're getting ready for this stuff. Because uh, one of the things they have there, I mean, there's just so much to see, but one of the things they have is called Star Wars Path of the Jedi. And it used to be the Captain EO theater there. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, then they've, they've done different things there, but right now they've got this thing called the Path of the Jedi. I didn't run a timer, but I think it was about 15 minutes and they boil down the first three movies and they tell Luke's story basically and um, they tell it by cutting through all six movies and the cuts are excellent and you know it's kind of telling Luke's story going back to Anakin going forward to Luke and and just kind of seeing his path and culminating with you know the final battle with the Emperor and and where Darth Vader you know switches back to the light side and you I get goosebumps just talking about it and because that theater is um is wired for all this interactive stuff I mean sometimes um like I remember in Cloud City, the fans would blow on you when he was out on the platform. Oh, wow. When there's explosions, the whole room kind of lights up like the explosion is in the room. I mean, they just have all these great effects. Well, see, I'd going. like to watch the, all the Star Wars movies done that way with that kind yeah. of environmental, oh, yeah. uh, you know. But uh, so this is interesting. So do you think that this is this Path of the Jedi film? How long do you, would you say it was? I think it was about 15 about, minutes. About 15 uh, minutes. Is this yeah. kind of teeing up then? Where do they sort of tease you at all with, well, where's Luke now? Is this well, some sort of lead in to Force Awakens? Yeah, they do. They do. And then they, at the end, they play the full Force Awakens trailer with uh-huh. all those effects. And, wow. you know, the music is blaring. And that's when I said, okay, we got to go back and watch the, the prequels again. <laughs> but the, um, it, it really, that's just one of the things. I mean, it's everywhere. They have, um, it's in the food. I mean, it, when you go in the restaurants, like the um, Pizza Port is a, is a popular one with my family. It's got good pizza and spaghetti and all those things. Uh, they've got a BB-8 cup there. It's a plastic cup, like, and it's got a straw on it. And it's like, you know, it's a, it's a promotional thing. Yeah. It's so cute. I, you know, we bought one. <laughs> yeah. you know? and, uh, right. My daughter's been drinking, but when she gets tired of it, I'm going to put it in my garden. So I've got a little garden BB-8. It's about <laughs> the size of a garden gnome, right? Right. And, and um, so and like they renamed the foods and and the other um, Bantha the other burger rest- or something like that maybe. Oh yeah, it's even better. It's a um, here. Let me. I took pictures because I I couldn't get over what they were doing. One of them is called the First Order Burger, and it has a black bun. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> really? I asked the guys, what what exactly are you doing, and what is this going to do to my insides? He says, no, it's just we added caramel, so it's dark, you know. But, oh my gosh! But but it's uh it's they have First Order Burger, they have Darth by chocolate, you know. Wow. <laughs> they have they have um 
what is it? Uh, they have cheese three PO burger. <laughs> you know, you know, it's, it's Disney. It's marketing. Yeah, it's you know, great. they're going to no, go at it. That's great, though. Um, yeah. hey, I, I was curious about the. Did you stop by the launch bay? Now that's where they were supposed oh, to have. Can I? Can I? Can I get there at the end? Oh sure, yeah, because, yeah. Because that take is take us on gotta, the journey. Your I, journey. I, I, I want you to. Uh, I want everybody to wait for that one because that was probably the highlight for me. But okay, all right. Anyway, um, so so we got there. Um, we went in. And Star Tours is just as you write when we walk in. They had had some downtime or something. They were just opening up like, the ride again for some reason. Mm-hmm. So we got in with almost no line. So I'm on Star Tours. And, you know, Star Tours is a really great experience if, you've, if you're a Star Wars fan. And, and they improved it in 2011 where they put in these. It's basically segments. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a motion simulator, spaceship simulator, and it really works well. And they basically got three main comp- components, you know, the takeoff, the flight, and the landing and then they have things that happen in between, and, and they're kind of random. So you may take off, then go to a hoth, and then end up on indoor. Or, you know, they just you know the way they yeah. mix it up is great. Yeah, there's there's I forget how many different combinations you, you yeah. have to ride it so many times to have seen everything. Somebody told me it's like over fifty times you could ride it and get a different experience. Wow. But wow. but the um, but they have done something, Jason. Uh, I, I took off, and um, the first thing I noticed is they they've updated some of the films, and I suspect it's because they had all these guys on set and stuff. So they added some footage. <laughs> Excuse me. I had a little cough. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, but the, the, we took off, uh, Darth Vader was there. We were in a, a bay, like one of the standard, um, one of the standard shots that I'm, I'm used to on this ride. We take off and we start coming in over this planet and it's a Brown planet that I've never seen on the ride before, but I recognize from the trailer and sure enough, we go into Jakku and I am like, <laughs> I am like just screaming. I don't even know what I'm doing at this point. I'm losing it. And I'm like, I, I, in fact, my wife told me the whole, after the whole experience, she's like, you were like an eight year old the whole time you were in there. And I, I'm like, oh, hell yes. And they, um, so we come in over Jakku and we're flying down into Jakku. And so uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. That's why I was read it. Yeah, Jakku, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're coming in and we're coming in low and you see the explosion. You know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. That explosion that's in all the, uh, that's in all the trailers. Right. And I don't know, you know, we flew over so fast. We they may have been down there running away from it. I don't know, but we we flew over the explosion. We take off, um, and then we run into, you know, we run into some imperial entanglements, and then eventually we hook up with the uh, with the Millennium Falcon. Millennium Falcon with a rectangular radar. You know, first time I've seen it. Yes. Star Tours that way. Yes. Now you said when you hooked up with the Imperials, were they uh, were they the first order? Or were yeah, they the yeah. classic? Was, oh, they were the first, first order. order okay. This all is right. all new stuff. All and right. then, and then, I mean, I'm just completely, I'm probably misreporting some of this because, like I said, I was wetting myself at the time. <laughs> but then, then Finn appears on, they, they got like a right screen where you see R2D2 or people occasionally uh, talk to you. Mm-hmm. Finn appears on the screen. Finn on the screen. Yeah. You know? Talking to you. He's giving us instructions. Holy and he's cow. Like, Follow us. It's okay, you know. So we follow him, and sure enough, we fly right into the middle of that, um, you know, broken down ship, and we're flying through. It's awesome. We're following the uh, the Falcon. At one point, the Falcon veers off, and we're on our own. And then we're kind of doing our own, essentially trench run. So you're and, going uh, through the Star Destroyer, that broken yeah, down Star Destroyer on Jakku. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. And wow. then we then we we crash and we skid. And then these people start showing up, and they're all of these uh, guys who are. Um, reclaiming pieces of the ship and their characters i've never seen before but i'm assuming they're going to be in the movie all right these are the these are from what we understand these are the junkers um oh, is that on, what they call on them? jakku yeah i guess these yeah. are sort of like the force awakens jawas 
So yeah, they're well, scavengers. They, as soon as we crash, they, they see us and they like walk up to our ship and start ripping pieces off of our ship, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and then we like get it airborne again, get out of there. And, and, and then the hologram and the ride traditionally hologram shows up and usually it's, it's Yoda or Princess Leia or, you know, it's somebody mm-hmm. this time it's BB-8 telling us what to do. And he's talking to R2-D2. So the first time I see those two interact together and uh, then we take off and it goes actually to a more traditional ending. But I suspect that every every ride right now is getting that middle segment of wow. Jakku. Wow. And, um, and so they really and I, got John Boyega to, it sounds yeah. like record some or, you know, tape some stuff that was specific for the ride. Oh That's, yeah. That it is was, so cool. Wow. So then you, you exit that into, they, they've always had a small like star Wars shop at the exit and, um, they, they've redamped, revamped that they've got, um, first order stormtroopers and they're on patrol. They've got, I mean, it's just really much nicer and then the Star Trader, the bigger store in Tomorrowland, is basically all Star Wars at this point, and just tons of new merchandise. And and uh, you know, there's funny shirts, and there's serious shirts, and they've got you know everything you can think of in there. They've got dresses and stuffed animals, and just you know, it's all Star Wars all the time. So that's great. Did you buy anything? Um, Did you resist? I'll tell you about that too. <laughs> <in a second. laughs> all right. I did buy the I did buy the cup. They have um, one of the things they have a promotional. You can get name name badges, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and like you can have a title like a Jedi. And, like different days, they have different features. The one the day I had, you could be bounty hunter, Jedi, whatever. And I got the Jedi one, and they write your name in Arabesh. So that's kind of cool. Oh yeah. Uh, they, the one thing is they're they're very serious there. I don't know why because I wanted to make mine say Max Sparky. That's my you know my website and kind of right. my name on the internet. They wouldn't do that. Yeah, first I wanted to be Obi Wan. Was that Facebook running that joint over there? Yeah, exactly. First I wanted to be first I wanted to be Obi Wan Sparky was uh-huh. the first one, but they wouldn't they wouldn't give me Max Sparky. But my last name is Sparks, so they gave me Sparks, and I figured my daughters and I could all share it. And then we got a couple more. So I was wearing it. I did buy a name badge. That was cool. And then on different days they have it where you can say where you're from, like you can say you're from Naboo or whatever mm-hmm. you want to say. Anyway, now, okay. Where, so where would you be from? You uh, where pick would your I, you pick your uh, Star Wars system. Uh, you know what I. I you're a you know, warm weather guy. I, you know, I'm from California, which kind of ruined me. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't live anywhere else. I'm thinking you're either from Yavin or uh, or maybe Tatooine. You know, Yavin, Yavin, Yavin. Yeah, you got trees yeah. there. I, you know, part of me wants to say I'm from Dagobah just because I want to hang with Yoda. But <laughs> well, you know what? I, We're missing the most California-like uh, system, which is uh, uh, oh, Endor. Yeah, Endor. Oh, Endor the, yeah, yeah, that's true as well. Well, Northern California. I'm from Southern California. We oh, right. You trees. don't have the big trees, no. That's right. But the um, either way, I'd go to Dagobah, but something would probably eat me. So, <laughs> and spit you out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I so we get out of there, and I'm just completely jacked up. I mean, I mean, seeing the new movie in wow. you know our favorite attraction, being interactively part of it, and you know flying through it. I mean, that's I mean that ride is a very accurate. Well, I'm gonna say accurate. It's a very um, efficient. Uh, motion simulation. So you really believe you're in a ship flying through that stuff. Now, what's cool here is because that ride is in 3D. Yeah. And so you're seeing footage from The Force Awakens in 3D, which uh, I don't think anyone's seen yet. I don't believe any of the trailers have been screened in 3D. So how does the, how does it look in 3D? It's good. You know, I'm not generally a fan of 3D. I mm-hmm. think they're too, a little too dark, and um, and sometimes it feels kind of forced. But, you know, and also I do think that... um my brain has a little bit of trouble, like just processing it. If mm-hmm. that makes any sense, you sure. know, I, if I watch a two hour movie and it, sometimes it gives me a headache, 
but you know, Star Tours is just long enough; it doesn't bother you, and it's just a, a joy. Um, so, uh, I don't know. Just, so, being thrust right into the new movie as soon as we got it in there was just perfect. And yeah. well, if you're if you're anywhere near Anaheim, I was thinking, wow. I got my money's worth, you know, season of the forest is awesome. I had no idea how much more they'd done. Cause I, I kind of walked into it cold. My wife is a, a Disney blogger. In fact, she's going to have pictures of all the stuff on her website at Disney days, D I S N E Y D A Z E.com. All right. We'll have a link to that. On I'll our, put a on link. Our Facebook yeah. page. And yeah, we, we, we took a bunch of pictures. So you guys can see all the pictures of it, awesome. but, but she knew all about it, but I intentionally kept myself in the dark. I said, don't tell me anything. I just want to go in and experience it. So, so you walk out of Star Tours and the um, the music is playing throughout the park. I mean, something I've noticed. I was just, so I was in Florida last week for a conference, and I spent some time at the Disney parks, and then at California. People in California dress up more for Disney, hmm. and and I, I just noticed, like in Florida, that you know, I think it's because a lot of people there as tourists and they've been on planes and whatever, <laughs> whereas Disneyland is a lot more local people. Mm-hmm. So there's tons of people walking around dressed as Jedi and stuff. I mean, it's just. And Disney, Disney's finally got over that. And they're like, okay, go ahead, do whatever you want, you know. So there's all there's all these people walking around as Jedi that are just guests. Now <laughs> and, that, that that's interesting because in light of uh, the the ruling that's come down for most of the theaters, most of the cinemas, where they're not allowing uh, folks to dress up in costume for Force Awakens. Oh, that's lame. Yeah, you know, there's so much sensitivity out there now, and. It's very disappointing. It's very disappointing, but it's good to know that Disney is allowing uh, cosplay right there in the park. That's cool. Yeah, the one they have a couple of rules like you can't cover your face, mm-hmm. so that makes stormtroopers hard. <laughs> yeah. And um, they got to be carrying their buckets around with them. And you can't be scary to kids. So I don't know if if you would get in as Darth Maul or not. But the <laughs> um, the uh, but you know, and and you can't like pose for pictures and and sign autographs and stuff. They don't want people to confuse you with employees but 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 they do have stormtroopers walking around and they're really you know the stormtroopers are great they role play i was wearing a um you know i went to the star wars celebration and um after watching you and some of those great panels i bought the star wars rebels jacket that was my big purchase from that you know that cool jacket with the badges honestly so i was walking around with that one day and the stormtroopers were giving me you know they were giving it to me they're like (laughs) right Round that one up, yeah. And uh, and uh, so anyway, so it's really cool. It's a it's a great environment. So you walk out the music playing, you're watching Jedi's walking around. You just saw Jakku. You flew through Jakku. So I'm feeling great, you know. And um, and then I said, well, let's do a, another ride. So th- we went on what has always been known as Space Mountain, uh, but now they've got the Season of the Force revision of it. They call it Hyperspace Mountain, and uh, I didn't know what to expect from that as well. So one thing, I went in dark. It's awesome. It's just awesome. <laughs> so uh, if you've ever been on Space Mountain, uh, you go around the corner, you start up this ramp. You know, every roller coasters require physics. You've got to get high to get it going. So you're climbing up the thing, and it immediately starts at John Williams, you know, Star Wars main theme as you're, <laughs> as you're going up this thing. And, you know, the goosebumps are rising, and it's awesome, you know. <laughs> and, then, um, and then there's another, like, a tunnel part you go up as you get towards the top. And so the music kind of crescendos and you go in there and the hyperspace music plays and the whole tunnel lights up like you're in hyperspace, you know, that blue fog. Right. And then in front of you, you see the starscape, like, you know how ever since the original Star Wars or it freezes and then stretches into a line. Mm -hmm. And as you're on this roller coaster going up, it creates this, um, this illusion that you're doing it, you know, and as you go through the queue, they, they tell you you're part of, I think it's 
Blue Squadron 77. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's, you're an, part of, you're, it's an X-Wing yeah. battle. <laughs> yeah, so you're in an X-Wing, basically. Yeah. And since you get up, there's, a, there's an Imperial fleet up there, and as you're racing through the roller coaster, every time... You know, uh, uh, Space Mountain famously is a dark roller coaster. You go through it in the dark. But every time there's a flat surface near you, an X-Wing is projected flying by you. A TIE fighter is blowing up. I mean, the whole ride is like that. Mm. And and they have speakers in your you know, on your seat. So the whole time, you know, John Williams is blasting at you. <laughs> and you hear like, you know, you hear Akbar and you hear people giving you orders like you're really flying in this Holy battle. Wow. Wow. And it is so fun. I mean, wow. it just like makes the ride a hundred times better. Uh, so you go through that and, and that's another one where, you know, and I went there three or four days after it opened. The energy is just electric. I mean, it, when we finish the ride and we get out into the hallway, like everybody on the cart just simultaneously is like screaming, you know, <laughs> again, you know, right. and, and it wasn't just because, you know, I listen, I, I am a Star Wars nerds go. I'm pretty deep down the stack, but I mean, everybody on the ride was like that. I mean, we were all having a great time. So they, they've got two really amazing attractions added now to the whole thing. Uh, then they've got the Path of the Jedi movie, which I was telling you about, which is just outstanding. And um, and then uh, like so that was at the Tomorrowland Theater, right? Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, okay, exactly. And and we've talked about um, you know the um, the uh, how how good that th- that movie is. It's like I said, fifteen minutes. You should just go in and see it. I'm gonna go see it again next time I go. Um, uh, and then they've got this whole new thing. So so in Tomorrowland, there's a big building. It was that spinning building that they did um, uh, Carousel of Progress in so many years ago. Um, you know, what's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow, you know, mm-hmm. that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Then they turned it into interventions and it kind of lingered. And then they shut it down. And we had all known that they were going to do something Star Wars related. And I've been watching it over the last four or five months as they've – you know, it's been behind tarps, but you could see back there that they were repainting it and it, they were putting starscapes on it. And I was thinking, I just wasn't thinking we'd get much out of it. You know, I, I didn't have high expectations for it. I figured you'd go in there and there'd be some like hands-on stuff and that would be that. And that's it, not true at all. So it's called Star Wars Launch Bay and that's what you were referring to earlier. Yeah. You go and once you go up to it, they've got the the big, you know, in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. They've got that stuff painted on the side of it. It looks really nice. The first time I knew I might be in for something special was as I went to walk in, I looked at the door, and they re- they fabbed the door in, like, the Star Wars motif, I guess, for lack of a better word. I mean, it looks a lot like the doors to the um, to the bays in Episode Four. you know, as they're walking through to get to the Millennium Falcon. I mean, right, and they've the, got... The blast doors that open up. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and... And they've got like, they've got panels with lights on them. I mean, it looks very Star Wars just as you're walking in the door and you get in and the whole thing is like that in there. Uh, they really did a great job. Um, the, uh, uh, and I, I guess I, let me just break it down. So that building has two floors to it. The bottom floor is all Star Wars. The upper floor is all Marvel. And the, um, and in the bottom floor, they've got a ton of props. Like they've got a, a full size. I don't know if it's an actual prop or just a, a replica of um of Ray's um bike whatever you, yeah I don't know her speeder oh, yeah yeah, yeah. I believe yeah I think that's the one that was at uh, at Anaheim so I believe that's right off the set of the movie yeah it, it looks awesome I mean and I was right next to it. I got a bunch of great pictures I'll put on my wife's website um so if you're a cosplayer or whatever there's some really good pictures of the thing um 
and they've got just tons of props from the movies. They've got models. I mean, and it's from the whole gamut, all six movies and the new movie. They've got, you know, um, they've got a bunch of models wearing the costumes from the various movies. They've got, um, you know, pieces of Captain Phasma's armor. I mean, they've just got mm. tons of tons of stuff in there to look at. And then they've also got like meet and greet sections. Uh, they've got a um, like I uh, this is my eight year old self came out again. They have they have one section where it's a, a rebel section and one section where it's an imperial section. And the people that work there wear rebel or imperial like costumes, you know, right. <laughs> you know, yep. and they totally were role playing with us. It was great because, <laughs> you know, once, once again, I was wearing my rebels jacket and they're like, ah, oh, you're one of us, you know, and then. <laughs> And then they were and like when the kids were sitting on the railing, they're like, hey, younglings, you need to get down. You can't sit on there. You know, so they were just really role playing it. Yeah. And uh, it was all done in character. That's so oh, cool. yeah. And then I got uh, so so my wife and my daughter and I go through the line and we get and it's all very Yavin four kind of look. And once again, this is what gives me a lot of hope for the Disneyland expansion for Star Wars is that all of the like the walls were painted um you know, Arabish is written on the walls. It was very immersive. Mm-hmm. And, and like this, the section where they had the meet and greet was completely immersive. I mean, it looked like star Wars. I mean, it, it just looked like that world. You were in that world for a little room and they did this kind of throughout that bottom layer. So I realize this is a smaller version of what they would be doing with this, uh, an entire land, but looking at what the Imagineers did with this, I have a lot of um, encouragement that they're going to do it right. Wow. So, so I get and we go through like some some tunnels and doors and we get into a room and there's Chewbacca and the guy playing Chewbacca and it's in a room that looks kind of like Yavin 4. <laughs> he was not wearing a medal, by the way. I no. <laughs> yeah, um, they're never going to write that wrong. Yeah. And the um, in fact, they sell replica medals there. Uh-huh. And I was so tempted to <laughs> get one. And just bring it in and give it to Chewy, right? But they were like sixty dollars, and I thought that I didn't think the joke was that funny, right? Yeah, know? not sixty dollars funny, but yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so I go in there, and Chewbacca was like, I don't know, he could just tell that I am a middle-aged Star Wars, you know, weirdo, and uh, he gave me a big hug, and, and he's got something in his costume where he pushes a button somewhere and he makes Chewbacca sounds, you yeah, know, right? And so we, unless pose- it was really Chewbacca, you know what? I'm starting to think it might happen because he was really big. I'm not sure a human could have done that. Uh, so anyway, so we went through that. We took some pictures, had a really good time hanging with Chewy, And then um, uh, we went – there was another line and um, and I think it was uh, at the end. It was it was, it was was very imperial themed. It was just like the other one was rebel themed. This was very imperial themed. I think it was Boba Fett or Darth Vader once you got to the end of that line. But my my wife and daughter, you know, vetoed me at that point. (laughs) (laughs) They're cutting you off? (laughs) Yeah, they cut me off. My daughter is so funny because she's like um, she's like very into all this. She's, you know, 14 and she grew up with it. Yeah. I think I told the story on my podcast. I told it to you. But my wife, my baby was born C-section. So like when she was like a Dale, we were watching Star Wars on video. And she loves the fact that that's, you know, the first thing she ever saw. But she's like, you know, I, I just can't hang with the Imperials, Dad. I just can't do it. <laughs> I mean, she's taking it serious. And uh, and then as we work our way through that, you know, there's more props. They've got, like, the central area. It looks just like the Jedi Library from the prequels. It's got the kind of the holographic books on the walls. Oh, wow. And um, just they really went to a long 
that went to a lot of effort to really immerse you in it. And then it ends up, of course, in a store. But it's a um, it's a really nice store. I mean, they've got really great products there. They've got um, uh, well, I didn't buy anything to answer your earlier question. They've got a a little like um, I think it's about eight inch tall R two D two like model in there or replica. I forget what the you probably know all the companies. I don't remember, but you know, it's yeah. one of these companies that makes really nice replicas. I like. I told my wife, I said that would be a pretty good Christmas present. <laughs> I would have an R two on my desk. But well, the, you guys um, live close enough. The, you know, that's. That's within striking distance for Christmas shopping. Oh yeah, my wife is there. She blogs on it, so she's there at least once a week. Wow. Um, yeah. And then the um, and they had like you know, and then they had the really expensive stuff too. They had like a three thousand dollar Yoda that you could that was like three wow. or four feet. It was like life size. Yeah. That you know that looked very realistic. They had, I mean, they had they had some. You could spend a lot of money in there, <laughs> but they also you know it's like they had the the metal there. They had. Just all cor- sorts of kind of high end Star Wars. Yeah, it sounds stuff. like stuff that you don't you don't see. You're not going to walk in at Toys R Us and, exactly. and see any of that stuff. This is all. It's like what, what are they? What, I think they call them the Black Series action figures. Mm-hmm. With, um, did a bunch of those there. Yeah, um, Disney actually has. They have their own version of the Black Series, and they're metallic. So they're actually made of metal. They look a lot like the Black Series, but the reviews of these in comparison to the Hasbro Black Series are just off the charts. And if you have a Disney store, for most of our listeners, the closest they're going to get is a Disney store, maybe at their mall, and they are sold out immediately as soon as they come in. Well, they had, a ton, yeah, they, had, they had a ton of stock there. So you could, if you get in Disneyland, you can, you can <laughs> load up. Go to the launch bay. Yeah, um, really just a really nice experience. Once again, the music's playing everywhere. I mean... I think, you know, John Williams is like my lifeblood or something because it's just having that in the background just makes everything better. We, I have, think a, could- we, we have a good friend of the show that he, he, he coined this phrase and we, we have a spinoff podcast all about it. He said that, you know, John Williams music is the oxygen of Star Wars and it's so true. And uh, so absolutely, you got to have that that hit of oxygen uh, when you're do, going through something like this. Yeah. If you guys out there haven't listened to the Oxygen podcast, you should. I, I listen to it when I garden. That's my Aww, thing. Oh, thanks. You know, and um, it's just amazing. Anyway, um, so so all this is going on, and uh, they really just took over Tomorrowland. Like I said, you can go drink out of a BB-8 cup, and you can <laughs> go on these attractions. I mean, the whole thing was just a wonderful experience for me. And uh, we were in there about three hours, and I'm going to go back. Oh, they also have artwork. At the launch bay, I mean, really nice artwork. Mm. They ha- they have a system there um, where you can pick a custom phone case, and they'll print it right there for you. And they're they're Star Wars themed, and they've got like sixty or seventy p- possible things ra- wow. ranging throughout the, all the Star Wars universe. I mean, they've got really clean ones. They've got really you know exciting ones. They've got prequel characters, every character you can think of, and then you can have it print your name as well on it if you want. You can print it in Arobesh. They sell the comic books, which I never thought I'd see at Disneyland. They're selling the Star Wars comics there. Wow. Um, and um, it's just, you know, everything is uh, very immersive. You know, as I, kids, I mean, we always fantasized about, you know, a Star Wars store or a Star Wars theme park. And we know we're going to pretty much get that. But it sounds like this is an amazing step in that direction. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a while. Like, like little touches, like the light fixtures and... The launch bay, mm-hmm. they are um, they are heads from the um, Keystone Cop droids, you know, from the episode one. I forget what you call <laughs> oh, them. Oh, right. Yep. 
so they've got like dismounted <laughs> heads droids. with lights and Keystone Cops. I mean, that's what they felt like to me. Alex. It's like, come on, George. <laughs> Honestly, <good. laughs> I mean, my Roomba is smarter than that. Those things. But the uh, but and if you speak Arobesh or are interested in you know trying to read it, it is all over the place. So there's yeah. like tons of things you can like bury yourself in. There's tons of Easter eggs all over the place. Uh, one of the things they had in the um, in the launch bay is when you're waiting in line to meet the uh, the lightsaber, the dark side characters. They've got a bunch of props there. You know, they have mm-hmm. uh, Opie Wan's lightsaber, Luke's and Yoda's lightsabers. They also have, um, but they also have stuff from the other st- like they have the helmets there, and uh, like some of the helmets, including um, uh, Poe po Dameron's helmet is there. Really? Yeah, and oh, it's wow. very cool. You know, and like they've got a little description about him. Like I don't know. Uh, spoiler alert here for yeah. thirty seconds. Yeah, please. Uh, it says here that he's a true believer in the resistance cause and wears the insignia of the old Rebel Alliance that inspired it. And so that's why he's got that the old Rebel ah. Alliance symbol on his hat. So there, there's information in there about you know some of the stuff you can enjoy about the movies. But they also have um, Sabine's helmet, you know, from Rebels, and it's totally badass, you know. So, and, yeah. but it's done obviously in a very realistic style. As opposed to oh yeah, style. that's amazing. Yeah, that's it's so great. Cool. And I got some good pictures of that one too. Yeah, and that's everything. Like there's there's crates. I mean, it, it just looks Star Wars everywhere. I'm it's, also glad to know that you're allowed to take photos of all this stuff. Yeah, they've got a show, Ahsoka's uh, lightsaber there, cool. and I and they've got Ezra's like a life, wow. you know, real version of Ezra's you know blaster slash lightsaber. So. It's just the whole thing is is done, and then there's junk in the corners. It's just, it looks like Star Wars when you're in there. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's uh, it's just unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. Now, what, what speculate a little bit? Do you think after the film is released, I mean, is this going to continue to grow and unfold, and you'll start to see more, perhaps more elements? Because they're obviously keeping a whole lot of this still close to the vest when it comes to the yeah. characters and situations. Well, I, I think that. Um, one of the, uh, you know, when my wife told me they're shutting it down in May, I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's going to be terrible. I mean, I can't imagine going back into Marlon without hearing that oxygen, you know. <laughs> right. But the um, but I'm sure that like so I, I suspect that start uh, that that um, Star Tours is obviously going to keep that stuff and probably get even more from the new movies. Oh, I forgot to mention in Launch Bay, they have a little section with a little movie theater in there, too, with a movie that loops. And it's only like about a 10 minute movie. Mm-hmm. But they've got a bunch of interviews with like J.J. Abrams and all the directors from episodes uh, seven, seven, eight, and nine are are interviewed. Really? Along, yeah, along with Kathleen Kennedy and some other people. At one point, they're interviewing the guy who is directing Rogue Squadron, mm-hmm. and he's talking about how when he was a kid, he saw Star Wars and he realized that he was just going to spend the rest of his life watching that movie over and over again. And you know, so all the directors are kind of talking about their take with Star Wars. Um, you know what? Next time I go, Jason, I will like shoot video of the video and I'll send it to you so you guys can distribute that, it. That so, would be great. That would be great. Uh, and the, the and the reason why I'm telling you this is, is when the Rogue Squadron guy's talking, they have footage of him shooting the film, and you see some of the characters and some of the sets. You know, it's very brief, but I was like, that's the first time I've ever seen anything from Rogue Squadron. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that now that the um, what we had heard was when Mission Impossible Four was out and being promoted and that was uh rogue i forget what it was rogue something yeah um, there there was a sort of a gentleman's agreement between paramount and disney that disney would 
uh, not be ramping up Rogue Squadron so as yeah. not to confuse people that they thought they were buying tickets to a Star Wars movie. You know, it's one of those things. I think yeah. they were overthinking it a bit. But now that that's gone, and now that we're looking at Force Awakens being released here in a little more than three weeks, uh, which just seems hard to believe, yeah. um, we'll probably be seeing a lot of that. I, I like to think that we might see a post credits teaser. Uh, for Rogue Rogue One, did I say Rogue yep. Squadron? I meant Rogue One. Uh, yeah. Rogue One at the uh, you know following Force Awakens, or maybe even there will be a teaser at the top of that. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like you know because Disney has famously turned the the Marvel franchise into just a you know a machine. Yeah, and they have the those teasers at the end. I can't. I'd be surprised if they didn't do something like that because this is way different than what we had when we were kids. I mean, they made a movie. And then they all caught their breath and then started thinking about a new one. Where right. now this whole thing, this is a production line. I mean, they've got movies in production already. They've got, you know, in fact, in that little movie in Launch Bay, they also had some of the, I forget what the name of them, but they have these people who are just like kind of the story, you know, wise men of, of Lucas, you know, and they're, these people are developing this overarching story and then figuring out what part of the story belongs in the movie, what part belongs in a comic book or a, or a video game, or whatever. You know that, that that's something I want to ask you about. As you as you were seeing all of these these films, and they had snippets of interviews with uh, guys like Gareth Edwards and J.J. Uh, Abrams, etc. How much George Lucas was there? Was George's name mentioned? Did you see pictures uh, or video of George? None, <laughs> none, none. J.J. Uh, Abrams in his little segment was talking about how George got everything right with Star Wars, and uh-huh. it's just amazing how. He was able to do that and was very much, you know, appreciative of it. But I don't think George has anything to do with what's going on at this point. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I don't know if you saw uh, the the interview that he did on CBS this morning with Charlie Rose. And that was probably the most unguarded we've seen, George, about the whole Disney thing. Uh, we had some clips last week on the program. But um, he was saying, you know, basically it's like breaking up with a girlfriend. And you don't call the day after you. Don't. I mean, yeah. he had all the rules of yeah. what he was doing. And, you know, he seems, um, uh, gosh, I, I don't know what the word, you know, he's taking a very mature road, but it sounds to me that the story he's putting out there is that, in fact, the quote was, he goes, now oh, they weren't too keen to have me involved anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it was, um, it's just, you know, you can't help, you know, despite I know that there's all kinds of different thoughts about George and, you know, what he contributed. And he and brought us Star Wars, were, but he brought us Star Wars. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's hard for me to imagine, uh, you know, S- Star Wars without George. I mean, I was so one of the reasons I was so excited about the, the Disney merger is in the early days or the acquisition, rather the early days, it was, you thought you were going to get the best of both worlds. You thought you were going to get a fresh take in terms of direction with somebody like JJ Abrams, but yet you were going to still have that George Lucas consultant. Hey, can Jedi do this? Can the force do this, that you were still going to have that check and balance there and maybe bring us closer to what we experienced with, with empire, with a great director like Irvin Kirshner, George Delon is executive producer. Uh, but, you know, somewhere along the line, that fell apart. And yeah. so George's involvement is, is lessened. Um, for better or worse, we're going to find out, right, in just yeah. a few weeks. Um, but yeah. um, I don't think it's, it's going to disappoint. No, I don't either. I mean, I am, 
I am so I'm just giddy right now. I mean, I've got my other stuff going on in my life. I've got you know the stuff, the books, the podcast, the right. the day job. But there's this underlying giddiness in me. We bought ten tickets for opening night. We're going to have a bunch of friends go with us, and it's just going to be awesome. That's fantastic. So you're going to do the the seventeenth, or are you wait until the eighteenth? I couldn't wait till the eighteenth. <laughs> Seven p.m. or ten p.m. Uh, well, we weren't able to get 7 p.m. because we're, we're going to like the local big theater. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll be on a social media blackout for three hours. Oh, man. You know, I, and, I've been thinking about that. Not only is there a social media blackout, I think probably for about 72 hours because that premiere is going to be the 14th. Yeah, uh, that, that makes me mad. That's the press sneak. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be rough because I think there will be people in there. I don't think it's going to be just all of your, you know um, – high-end film critics in there. I think you're going to get some bloggers and you're going to get some people in there that may or may not have, you know, the right judgment in what to put out there. So I think it's really going to start that week. Um, And the other thing, you know, something we brought up on the program is, you know, if you're at that 10 o'clock show and you're queued up in line, there's going to be some jerk that's going to be leaving that theater from the 7 o'clock show shouting a bunch of crap. So put the headphones on, whatever you (laughs) Bring in the cans. Bring in the cans, man. Yes, be listening uh, to some Star Wars oxygen, and uh, while you're waiting in line, and um, you know to to avoid those things, because you know I I said last time there's going to be some you know Hondas, yeah, you know as he's coming out there, but um, but this is great. You know I I love uh, you know I give I kid you because I know you're not the biggest uh, prequel fan, but really I think that this is such a testament to. The fact that these films are about engaging a section of Star Wars fandom that really hasn't been this excited about Star Wars uh, since the end of the original trilogy. And uh, I think you're kind of a, a model yeah, of that. I'm in that demographic. I, yeah. I, 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 am, I was not as excited about the prequels going into them as I am about this movie. <laughs> but the um, I don't know. I you know, looking back, I I feel like the the prequels just did not get me invested in the characters enough, and just like I was looking at the picture of Darth Maul at the other night at Launch Bay, and I felt like, boy, there's a character I wish, I wish I knew more about. This has been awesome, David. Thank you so much. You, I hope you don't mind. You're now the uh, the uh, unofficial official uh, correspondent for us here at Rebel Force Radio for uh, for Disneyland. I am, brother. I will be all over it. <laughs> uh, we really appreciate you stopping well, by and sharing you know, it's, all with us. It, it's funny because one of the I am I am I'm self employed. You know, my day job, and I can work from a lot of times anywhere. So quite often, when my wife will go to Disneyland to do something for her blog, I'll go along with her, and I I will um, sit down like in Critter Country and watch the Mark Twain go by and write a contract or something. You know, and <laughs> right, um, right. and it's kind of a joke about me. And I'm like, I'm as soon as they open the new Star Wars thing. I'm going to get business cards made that say, you know, David Sparks, attorney of law, you know, office location, you know, cantina. (laughs) I like that some people, they say, yeah, my office away from the office is Starbucks. Yours is literally going to be the cantina bar. It's going to be the cantina. I'm going to be sitting in there all day in the corner. Watching out for suspicious folks. Right, right. Oh man, I can't wait. But that's going to be years until they finish it. They, uh, as uh, in my role, I'll tell you that they are starting to shut some things down and um, mm-hmm. starting to move things around. The um, the way they're going to make it work is they've got a back lot since since they first opened Disneyland. They've got a back lot. You know, Walt wanted to have a wood shop and all that stuff on site. Mm-hmm. 
so the craftsmen could do whatever they need to do to make Disneyland work and be right there and not have to go somewhere else. So they've got a back lot with a bunch of, of space, and Disney's recently purchased more space like across the street, and they're going to be moving all of those wood shops and all that other stuff to that new space. And that back lot is going to be opened up for use in Disneyland, and it's 14 acres, I understand. It's going to start at the top of um, Toontown and stretch down to land that you've never seen before. They're also going to be shutting down the Rivers of America, you know, the Mark Twain, because yeah. they're going to they're going to cut a piece of the river out for Star Wars, and the and the the island and the the ride around Mark Twain is going to get a little shorter, but it, it's going to be shut down for like a year, starting at least a year, starting uh, right I think in the early year, and that's all because they're going to have Star Wars going. And there's a great view of where they're going to do the construction from the parking structure. So I'll send in regular pictures in my role here. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Hey, gang, it's Clayton Sandell here at ABC News. We are at Disneyland in Tomorrowland for Star Wars Season of the Force. They have transformed this entire place, adding all kinds of new Star Wars fun. This is no longer Space Mountain. It's Hyperspace Mountain. We're now inside of an X-Wing fighter. Producer Robert here is with me. I don't know, man. I got a very bad feeling about this. Tie Fighters, that's no moon. Whoa! Whoa, cool! <laughs> that was cool. Are we winning? Season of the Force is now open at Disneyland, and there's more Star Wars coming soon to Walt Disney World. All of it ahead of a massive 14-acre, all-new Star Wars land they begin building next year. Rebel Force Radio. Rebel Force Radio. Rebel Force Radio. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jimmy. This is Kyle from Detroit. I wanted to talk to you about Rogue One and the casting of one of the actors, Jiang Wen. This is his first Hollywood film role, and he has gone on the record multiple times saying that he hates Hollywood, hates overly produced movies, and yet he said yes to Rogue One, which is a Hollywood Star Wars movie. My question is, why? What intrigued him so much that he'd say, sure, I'll do it? Love the show, guys. Can't wait to see the movie, and may the force be with you. Well, I think you got one answer there, and that's because it's the wars. Yeah, the guy, for sure. may, he may hate the Hollywood system, but he still loves Star Wars, and he's no fool. He recognizes the brilliant opportunity that lays in front of him. Remember, someone else involved with Star Wars also hated the Hollywood system, and his name's George Lucas, and uh, his contributions to Star Wars are undeniable. So I, I think we're going to be safe here with Rogue One. Well, it's the Thanksgiving show, so let's give thanks. Let's start with our sponsors. Help us thank them by supporting them. 
Little Debbie Snack Cakes, Top Star Wars Card Trader app, and uh, the good folks at Dorkside Toys. Check them out. Also, while we're giving thanks, big thanks to Taylor Gray, the Chicago Wolves. Also to David Sparks for that uh, great recap of Seasons of the Force. I know that, uh, man, oh man, I cannot wait to see it for myself. It sounds just incredible. The email address, please. Stay in touch. Show at rebelforceradio.com. Voicemail line 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. Follow us on Twitter, Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, at Jason Swank. You can also search for us. We're on Facebook, the official website. New one coming soon. It's imminent. Very soon. Very soon. Rebelforceradio.com. iTunes, great place to review and download Rebel Force Radio. Love to hear your reviews. Just one rule. Make it good. And you can find Rebel Force Radio at WGNplus.com. We're streaming there. Also on Stitcher and just about anywhere where you can find podcasts. You can also find us weekly on JediNews.co.uk, Yodasnews.com, Sandtroopers.com, and the official Star Wars website, StarWars.com. Speaking of streaming, we're also streaming just about each and every Saturday night at 7 p.m. Eastern at srsounds.com. And last but not least, what are we thankful for here at Rebel Force Radio? We're thankful for you, the listeners. Guys, without you, there would be no Rebel Force Radio. It would just be me and Jimmy Mack talking (laughs) on Skype, lonely-like. That's what our wives think. That's, <laughs> That's what right. they think it is. <laughs> and we give thanks for our wives for letting us yes. play Star Wars with you guys every week. Yeah. So until next time, we'll see you for all of our friends in the United States. Of course, have a wonderful, wonderful holiday weekend. We are thankful so much for you, and we're thankful for Star Wars and The Force Awakens just three short weeks. We'll see you next time. Love you all so much. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you. Always. I don't want turkey.